Hi, this is Adam Green, the director of Hatchet, and you're listening to The Skeleton Crew, exclusively at NewGirl.com. Hi, this is Adam Green, creator of the Hatchet franchise, and this is my second time on The Skeleton Crew, so I'm going to uh, be firing my agents right after this. Hi, this is Adam Green, the creator of Holliston, and this is my third appearance on The Skeleton with a regular show no more retrospectives we keep saying that but we keep doing them <laughs> fuck it here's here's what's cool oh it's this is alex i'm with dan and jamie here's what's cool guys we have now covered every single one of our most beloved passionate franchises we did friday the 13th was for all three of us even though jamie wasn't there <laughs> she was his i can still appreciate it yeah, that was that was a all around type thing, but then we got specific. Then we did Psycho. That was for me, and that was some of our best stuff ever. Then we did Jaws. That was for Jamie, and now Dan just got his moment. We also did Sleepaway Camp. Yeah, that was like my second favorite franchise. That was great. Oh, speaking, oh Dan, you are incredible. You didn't even know you were doing a segue. No, you did not know you were doing a segue. Admit that. Segway! It's just meant to be. It was. I was in Walmart just now. <laughs> yes, we know. Well, I've been waiting for this story. <laughs> yeah, this. <laughs> this is the one everyone's been dying for. Fucking Walmart horror stories, dude. We could go on for days. <laughs> no, this is a good story. Oh. Well, this, this is uh, April 15th right now. And <clears throat> you know how everything comes out on Tuesday? Ever since, like, what, 10, 15 years ago? Yeah. Well, guess what came out today? A new movie, 2014, starring Eric Roberts, Felissa Rose from Sleepaway Camp, and Daniel Harris, Camp Dread. Wait, you bought that today? I have in my hand. Dude, I, no. Why, what? I bought that today. Get out of here, you didn't get anything. No, I bought, I, I, seriously, I bought it right when I got out of work. What does it say on the cover? Uh, it doesn't say dead TV. What's, what's the catchphrase? I already watched half of it, dude. That's what I was doing. Just before we started recording this. Really? It says, pitch your tent and dig your grave. <laughs> Is that what it says? <laughs> <laughs> Yo, right off the bat, though, you'll recognize something very familiar uh, in the movie. Dude, yeah? it's, a, it's a fucking really good, ba- bad movie. Wait, why did you buy it, though? I Why wouldn't I? Well, how did you even hear about this? I... Dude, 
I think fucking Fusser Rose was promoting it on our last show. <laughs> no, it was a different name though. I it was called Dead TV, and it says Dead T- Dead TV on the uh, in the thing, but they changed it like Punishment, and oh. <laughs> nobody gets out alive. And the killer from Nobody Gets Out Alive is in this movie too. What do you mean the killer? Uh, remember the, the dude, dude with the beard? Yeah, he's in this. That's random. And Emma Roberts' dad. Emma Which Roberts? Is, How do I know her? Oh, you know, the uh, the, the retrospective we just dedicated, right. basically. Right. The killer girl? Yeah. Um, her that's dad. her dad. Yeah, and it's funny because the role he plays in this in this is is kind not not like it, but it kind of plays off of when he was in Celebrity Rehab for weed. Did anybody know this dude? He was on Celebrity Rehab. Did you hear people fucking withdrawn from heroin, dude, like meth and crack and having serious problems. And he's just, and he does it the right way with fucking a vaporizer and shit. Here he is waking up in the morning. He's got his cup of coffee and his paper. <laughs> and he's just chilling. Everybody else is fucking getting their morning meds, fucking shaking. <laughs> Scratch until they're bleeding. And shit. <laughs> yeah, dude. It's the funniest thing ever. And this is Who goes of- to rehab for weed? That's what I'm saying. And, and dude, it was, it's the funniest fucking thing <laughs> if you watch it, dude. Because I, I love that shit. I love that show. It's just so ridiculous. And he's just like, no, nah, yeah, I'm good. And even the doctors are like, yeah, you probably shouldn't be here. <laughs> yeah, you're like wasting space. I really want you on this show. Do you have exactly. a habit? Um, well, I smoke weed. Do you do anything else? Is there anything and, else that you do? No. Do you sniff glow? Do you? Have- yeah, and he does it the cleanest way you- possible through a vaporizer. <laughs> <laughs> Pussies do it that way. Yeah, exactly. So, and you oh, act my. like this is difficult for you. <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah, exactly. Dude. Uh, um, well, actually, I do eat weed brownies, so I also have to diet. So it's like kind of <laughs> yeah. going to fat camp. That's pretty tough, right? Those weed brownies. He gets the lowercase DTs. <laughs> <laughs> dude, I'll be honest with you though, and I, I'm yo, Felissa Rose looks better than Daniel Harris in this movie. Straight up, dude. Why is that a surprise? Oh, I know, stop. right, Jay? Because she's yeah. 40. Right. So, what are you trying to say? She looks good, dude. Oh, my God. Here's the, everybody we're talking about. Remember, Camp Dread. Go get the movie. Here's the thing, before we even get into this. There will be eyebrow chasing. Oh, stop. <laughs> don't do that anymore. <laughs> one eyebrow chases the other through the woods. <laughs> Only one comes out alive. <laughs> Here's the thing, guys. You have to get this movie because you have to support the guests of our show both these nice ladies were on our show and they're very nice to us so we have to support their stuff that they're doing today and these are the people that gave us our 80s and 90s and stuff well 80s these are the people responsible so you got to support what they're doing now and you know what jason lloyd said and i'm gonna i want to show you guys something about jason i'm gonna give you the truth about jason lloyd jason said well get ready for a giveaway on your next show <laughs> Yay! Yeah, he doesn't like this movie, but so wait, he gave you a copy of Wolf Creek too? Uh, no. Oh, yeah, I heard about that. Yeah. Oh, did you watch that, dude? Not yet. Holy fuck! Next show, but oh, but uh, yeah. So he doesn't like Camp Dread. So here here's the if you guys if this movie's good or bad you'll know because the next show there will be a giveaway for camp dread 2014 no it's kidding no just go get the movie stop yeah it is good it's a hey i'll, I'll say this i'm halfway through it and it's a damn good time dude and, and a ve- very much so um 
not only like meta in a lot of ways because like Felissa Rose kind of plays herself um, and it's based on horror movies and stuff like that but um, there's a lot of Friday the 13th and Sleepaway Camp kind of yes. not references I wouldn't call them they're very loose references but at the same time you know what I'm saying the, the, the opening shots I mean anybody can tell it's oh, beautiful. fucking yeah, it's great, dude. It's 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 everywhere in this. That's movie. what we want, right? Yeah, dude. I, hey, I'm liking it so far. And then they throw the whole reality TV thing, which plug for Jamie. In real life, yeah, exactly. <laughs> I was just thinking that. That's so funny. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, I I personally can't stand it, but uh, you know I don't mind it. I I know Wrong Turn. What was it? Wrong Turn Two kind of did the same thing. So I don't oh, mind the TV it. thing, dude. I don't give a fuck as long as it's good, man. Exactly. It didn't ruin Scream Four, so yeah, it's it'll work. I don't care about that stuff. Okay, right. No. But since Jason said such nasty things, I think it's time. You know, look, <laughs> I recorded. Me and Jason were gonna get on to do Saw 7 with Banana Laser. You know, they were finishing their retrospective. You know, it was a, a, a trek. It was, what, three and a half months of a retrospective? But that's cool. <laughs> I was on part six. Huh? <laughs> I said I was on part six. Yeah, you were. Very good job. You uh, had a lot to say. Like, Jamie, you were, you were on seven as well. I was there when they discovered Jason on the floor. Exactly. Now, here's the thing, though. So, me and Jason are getting ready to do part seven. So, me and him get on Skype first. And we're waiting because Dave had a he had a dinner with his wife. He, he you know, went to dinner. Hey, yo! Hey, yo! Yo, 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 yo. <laughs> me and Jason are on Skype. So, he's, we start talking. And he's talking about this date that he was on. So, I just want to everybody to know what Jason's really all about since he said what he did about Camp uh, Dread. Now listen to this conversation. You won't even believe your fucking ears. All right, we'll get uh, started in a minute. So uh, how was your date last night? It was all right. Yeah, with that Julie chick? Yeah. <laughs> so what happened? I fucked her. <laughs> no shit, was it good? <laughs> it was all right, you know, but to tell you the truth, I think she's a little bit too old for me. Oh, yeah? How old is she? She's 17, but she's practically 18. What do you mean? Look at you. You're 34 years old. Yeah, but I don't want to be dealing with chicks over 15. It's like once they get their license, they don't give a shit. Uh, yeah, I guess. Oh I don't know. It's a little young for me, though, you know. <clears throat> there ain't nothing better than a tight, innocent snatch. Uh, oh, my yeah. Look, dude, God. I'm going to get off Skype for a minute and just run some tests, and when everybody else gets on, I'll just call you and let you know, okay? I'll give you a buzz. Can you um, believe that? What the fuck? <laughs> Could you believe what he said? <laughs> He doesn't like girls over 15? Wow. Not only can I believe that, but I can't believe how bad of an actor he is, too, reading off a piece of paper like that. Dude, that's not acting. <laughs> you thought that was acting? <laughs> He's not fucking 34. <laughs> doesn't he have a wife, too? <laughs> you guys are, like, getting into weird stuff. The point of this... is <laughs> he's a creep. ...is that he's a creep. Oh, I won't dispute that. Did you hear what he said? <laughs> well, of course That's, he is. Um... Why do you think he and I are such good friends? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, the last line an alone. <clears throat> there ain't nothing better than a tight, innocent snatch. Oh, my God. Uh, yeah. Look, so dude, crazy. I'm going to get off. Where I come from, 
They call him Baldies. <laughs> that, that's what he is. <laughs> They're not even old enough to know what's on your mind. To understand, sorry. How fucking weird is that guy? Like, as soon as he said that, as you could tell, I dipped right out of the conversation. Like, like, listen, I was right out of there. You could tell I had nothing to do For with me, this. Though, you know. Watch. <laughs> it, after he says that, listen to what I did. Hatch. Uh, yeah. Look, dude, I'm going to get off Skype for a minute and just run some tests, and when everybody else gets on, I'll just call you and let you know, okay? I'll give you a buzz. <laughs> See? I wanted nothing to do with this, because I'm not into that stuff, so... <laughs> old enough to pee, old enough for me. Yeah. So the guy who doesn't like Camp Dread, uh, that's that's who you're listening to, if that's... Well, what do you expect? He likes Cabin Fever, too. I mean, come on. I had a lot of fun with that, man. That was good, man. Yeah, well, that, I would expect that, but yeah. <laughs> <laughs> What, Jamie, you don't like it either? Uh, no, but I didn't like the first one. <laughs> I just don't like having fever. Yeah, I watched the first one again, and it was it was no... But anyway, I, w- I want to show you guys something real quick. Sorry, not to interrupt you. Wait one second. I want to prove something to you. Okay, ready? Here. Stupid production stuff. Okay, this is proof that uh, that was not acting. Jason wasn't reading off of any paper. That's how he talks no. normally. Listen. Who gives a shit? <laughs> I want to know why Jason fucking Lloyd is the asshole that kept us here. I want to know how Jason laid there without moving for so many weeks when I know for a fact that he's a chronic masturbator. Now, you thought his delivery was... was... <laughs> oh, wait. Now, you thought his delivery when, during that conversation was him reading? This is how he talks. Listen to him on the other show. Ever since I allowed you jackasses to join Horophilia, you've talked about many movies. You're next, Halloween, Slaughter High, all great movies. But the bottom line is that... I mean, does that sound natural or what? I mean, this guy's not reading from a paper. You're terrible at podcasting. Dave Z sounds just like Joe Pesci. And Wazell, you're an opinionless flip-flop. Is he talking to people or is he talking to an audience of like... He's reading, he's reading off a wall. Hey, Dave doesn't sound like Joe Pesci. Shut the fuck up, Wazell. Of course I do. Yeah, I guess you're right. I need good podcasts for the network. I ain't got it with this show. I can tell you that much. Oh, my Lord. I'm building an empire, and those are not built upon shit. So I tried a little experiment to make you better. I mean, this does not sound like a guy reading. I don't care what you tell me. Up until now, you have failed completely. You're still terrible. I'd rather listen to a mic toilet for an hour and a half. Uh, so that's just proof of the pudding man that guy was not reading that was a real conversation we had Uh, uh, I believe it now now do you believe it see yes I I am sold that is unless you want to say he just reads everything he says to everybody that is the realest of the realest of the real that yeah well now you know why he calls it horophilia wow that's what he gets for bashing Camp Dread. So everybody, please, uh, if you support the show, go to, not that we're getting anything out of it, but go to Walmart, go to get Camp Dread for $10. That's all it is. Only on DVD. It's definitely good. All right, guys, as we go into break, Old Dirty Bastard lives on in prank phone calls. Hello? Motherfucker, don't be saying no bad shit about me. Who the hell is this? My name Dirt Dog. Dirt Dog? Well, we don't know a Dirt Dog. The dog is not the one to be fucked with. Yeah, and I ain't the one to be fucking with either. I ain't talking about all that. Oh, well, I am. Get the fuck out of here. Get my fucking house. What the hell wrong with you? You crazy or something? 
Listen, motherfucker, I ain't gonna be not answering my phone for some bullshit with you. Stop calling my motherfucking house. Get the fuck out of here. You get the fuck out of here. You think I don't know you calling me from a 212 number, bitch? Who me? Don't fucking call my house no more. Who me? Yeah, you. My name Dirt Dog. I don't give a fuck what your name is. What the fuck you keep calling my house for? I'm all about me right now. Yeah, and I'm all about me too, motherfucker. So don't call my fucking house no fucking more. I don't play that shit. And I don't play it either. Oh. Whatever, I don't give a fuck. I don't give a fuck either. Don't call my number no fucking more. Nigga, please. Nigga, please too. That's all you can say. That's all that's in your vocabulary. It's nigga, please. Let's just get on with our lives and shit, you know what I mean? That's what I want to do. Life, my brother, because I don't fucking know you. Don't fucking call my fucking phone no more. Because I'm not going through this bullshit, you crazy motherfucker. Don't call my fucking house no more. Eh, I don't know. Anyway, we have Adam Green coming on. Now, everybody knows that that was the best show of 2004. What are we in now? 14? 13. That was the best one of 2013. Um, that was an hour and 20-minute interview. This time, they contacted us again. They said, we'd like to have Adam on your show again. And uh, you have 10 minutes with him. Womp, womp, womp. 10 fucking minutes. They wanted it at 10 in the morning. They wanted it at 12. It was a hassle, but we got him. As soon as we got out of work, the second we opened the door, sat down, they were already calling. It was like 3, uh, 40. 50, yeah. Yeah, something like that. So Jamie, unfortunately, could not make it because she gets out of work at 6. Uh, we barely made it, basically. And uh, it was a whole ordeal to get it to that. So um, <clears throat> The good news is that it was the last interview of that day. So he said he could bypass the 10-minute rule. And he could stay on with us. So we got Adam Green for an hour and ten odd minutes. So stay tuned for that. But now, Dan, we were going to talk about, you know, we were going to get into the whole odorous thing and kind of lead on to Adam Green. But there's so much going on right now. For example, neither of you probably give a damn, but I just want to say real quick, make a mention. The Ultimate Warrior died about two weeks ago. That was fucked up, huh? Yeah. Like two days later, right? He got inducted into the Hall of Fame, and I think a day later was WrestleMania, and I think a day later was Monday Night Raw, which is the wrestling show, and he went, they for some reason let him talk, I don't know really why, but he got in the ring and he talked, he was like... He came in and changed the game. Really made us all, whoa, look at this guy. The power of the ultimate word is something that you want to feel, that you want to taste. He just screamed excitement. Shut the power that makes that skies rumble. He was just on fire all the time. You couldn't help but be inspired by his energy. The ultimate warrior has stood the test of time. He's part of history.
legs hard. One day beats its final beat. His lungs breathe their final breath. And if what that man did in his life makes the blood pulse through the body of others, it makes them bleed deeper in something than larger than life, then his essence, his spirit, the running the man did live forever. Warrior girls, you weren't even alive in this world yet when Daddy was doing his ultimate warrior thing. But I tell you what, the most awesome thing I will ever do is be your father. I am Ultimate Warrior. You are the Ultimate Warrior fans. And the spirit of Ultimate Warrior will run forever! Just give me one more time. Oh, wow. So we got emotional with it. Holy shit. And then died the next day. Hey, man. I, uh, this is clearly looking on the bright side of things, but what a fucking gangster-ass way to go out. Yeah, that's what I was thinking. I'm- Holy shit. I mean, it's a, clearly it's sad, but if you want to really, you know, you get past the holy shit aspect of it. It's perfect. It's great, dude. I mean, wow. I, how, how else could you could you go? I mean, because let's face it, it. Yeah, it wasn't like he was revitalizing his career for future, you know, matches and stuff like that. You know what I mean? And and he's not to that status of like Expendables 4. So that was his thing. Wrestling. I, I, don't, I, don't, I don't know what I'm saying. So. Um, that's great, though. Wow, that's crazy. Yeah, with my luck, I'll just fall down a flight of stairs, and that'll be the end of it. And nobody will even know about it for, like, two weeks. Didn't they do the House of Horror podcast? <laughs> so, um, here's the thing. He was in the ring on Monday night. He looked like he was 90 years old, and he was 50. He was 49. He looked like he was 60. Mm. 60. What is wrestling doing to these guys? Dude, every one of these guys are dying around 50. Uh... Uh, what's it? Ravishing Rick Rude. Um, but then the one guy, Mr. Perfect, supposedly killed himself. Macho Man has a heart attack, hits a tree, and dies. You got fucking uh, uh, Chris Benoit, who like flipped out and killed himself. Then you got Elizabeth, Macho Man's manager. She fucking died of a drug overdose at like 40, uh, 47 or something. And the girl, remember Scary Sherry, who was Macho Man's manager when Elizabeth left? She died at, like, 49 from a a mixture of drugs and alcohol and stuff. Like, all these people are fucked up, dude, and their hearts can't last. They're all on fucking drugs. Like, I can't believe that Iron Sheik is alive. I can't believe (laughs) Hogan's alive. And, uh, like, some of these guys, it's just amazing that they're still walking around. Andre the Giant, look how early he died. Big John Stud. Yeah. All these guys. uh, uh, Hawk from Hawk and Animal. Dead? Mm-hmm. These guys look uh, like they're in amazing shape, and they can't even live past fifty, dude. What the fuck is going on in wrestling? Yeah, hey, you know, I heard uh, somebody else talking about this the other day. But how great would it be to have a uh, biopic for fucking Vince McMahon? I mean, holy shit, what a life that that guy's led. I don't even like wrestling that much. I mean, I, I respect it. I, I, you know, whatever. You, obviously, you know, it's not my thing. But, man, it, he he's a fucking, 
Damn, dude, he he's like a gravitating figure. Like they, he could probably he's got stories for days. I'll bet. I mean, all those dudes do. You you watch one of those fucking e inside the true fucking door behind the back door, whatever the fuck um, <laughs> in the back door. Yeah, yeah. That's you where like they get it up when they do the story. And that's why that movie, The Wrestler, love it or hate it, a lot of those dudes got kind of got behind it as kind of like an actual depiction of that world. So. Uh, you're right on with drugs and yeah. remember Eddie Guerrero? He fucking died five years ago or something. Like he was young, you know, fifty. Yeah, they just can't, sucks. They can't make it past. It's too much on the heart to have that schedule and get thrown around and be on all the drugs. You got to be on painkillers just to fucking not cry all day. Like remember Kurt Angle? He's on painkillers and McMahon threw him off wrestling because he wanted to go to rehab and McMahon didn't want to pay for it or something. <laughs> really? Yeah, and then he went to TNA. That's how he left wrestling, dude. I didn't mean to laugh, but that's just this sounds so funny. Like clearly he could have afforded it, but just on principle alone. <laughs> yeah, man. Wow. Yeah, man. It's a crazy world, dude. It is. They all need coke just to get up and fight anymore. Yeah. Supposedly, you know, Jerry thinks that they don't do that anymore. But dude, I'm sorry, man. Uh, Jerry, it's a dark world out there, bro. <laughs> Oh, please, dude. Every, every other person I know fucking does both. Exactly. And you don't think these wrestlers are why? Because it's not the fucking 80s? Get out of here. They're all doing uh, drugs, yeah. dude. Oh, drugs are fucking rampant. You don't think Undertaker had to get do a line just to get in the ring for WrestleMania last week? Give me a <laughs> Yeah, right. Yeah, what do you think? They're fucking sipping tea backstage? No, it's okay. I took ginseng, guys. I'm all energized. Let's go. Hey, hey, Phil, give me my vitamin water. Yeah. Hey guys, I got some blow here so you guys can wrestle today. No, I'm good. I got Monster. I'm drinking Monster. I'm fine. I'm good with my Red Bull. Red Bull, yeah. So. <laughs> uh, speaking of things dying, FearNet is gone. Fearnet's donezo. That sucks, man. You know, the thing about Fearnet, I'm sorry to get up on my box about this. Well, soapbox. I'll get up on my box, too. But uh, the thing about Fearnet is I always saw so much potential in it. Like, it could have been something great. And it is what it, it was what it was. It had some solid fucking content. I know there's a bunch of good people that work there. I, I just, uh, as a fan, as a horror fan, it wasn't any everything and anything I, I could have dreamt for. Now, we all know, and a lot of people agree, that the best thing to come out of that was Holliston. Holliston. Now, and well, and Adam Green talks about that uh, a little later on, so I wonder how, um, you know, Netflix dissolving this or uh, the cable company, however, however it happened, now that this channel is dissolved, I wonder how that's going to affect it, if they're going to go to Netflix. I don't know. He talks about it briefly, so I'll let him say it because he says it with much more knowledge and much more eloquence than I ever could. But, um, yeah, I just I'm curious as to if that has any effect on the show, because like I said, hey, man. It was a good channel, but that's the only reason I really watched. Every now and then I'd be like, oh, this movie's on. But a lot of those movies I either had or, you know, it's just, you don't really want to see anyways, you know? So. They never good. Uh... Jamie, did you ever watch FearNet? Nope. <laughs> All right, Jamie, moving along. I didn't say are you a Nirvana fan. I said, do you watch <laughs> FearNet? No, I didn't. I never did. Maybe was... once. 
Well, what was it? Was it a real? I never even knew it was. A, I thought it was a, a website, fearnet.net or something. It is. Well, yeah, it's a, yeah. I think it's actually fearnet.com, which doesn't make it. There was <laughs> there was there was one from um, several years ago, or I don't know, a little while back. There was some thing I watched for a promotional thing, but I never just because I wanted to. No, I never did. Well, listen, okay, every now and then they'll have a couple really good movies on there, but just like anything, they fall out of rotation, so they're not on there. Now, there's a couple things. There's the channel, which I never even got. Yeah, I never had a channel like that. Yeah, and then there's the on-demand service, too, which is, you know, obviously, as everybody knows, you know. Right, right, yeah. And that's what I had, so I could choose from the content to which you know, in which they always play on the channel. It's the same shit, basically. But um, and I think it was okay, dude. It was really good. Like there'd be a nice. I, I I used to always check it, but they wouldn't update it that much. But you know, maybe that's just me. Well, was it more indie based, or was it like all the old famous horror movies? And it stuff was like- mixed. It was a lot of old eighties movies, um, and uh, you know, some new shit. Like I remember that's where I first saw. I'll always. Is know what you did last summer. <laughs> <laughs> well, then it's okay that it's gone. But then, no, I shouldn't say because they had some really good movies on there at certain points. Was Cam Dread on there? I don't know. It, <laughs> I'll bet you. I'll bet. Okay, that would be the perfect uh, vehicle for something like that. Would yes. it? That's what I'm gonna. That's what I'm trying to say now. Like, was American Mary on there and stuff like that? Uh no, not that I know of. But it, but it, that caliber though. You're right. What about Punishment? <laughs> Uh, I don't know. I don't think so, actually. What about Secret Shopper? Was that on there? Of course it was. You know, if you look in the window, <laughs> you can actually, uh... Ah, never mind. Just watch the movie. Aww. <laughs> <laughs> <a good> movie. <laughs> yeah. Hey, Jamie, we're, we're, you know, you have uh, a couple people I probably who like you. Now, where could they see this movie you made? <laughs> you got a couple fans. It's play... <laughs> it is playing on, um... Vimeo? Uh, well, yeah. I mean, I can anybody who wants to see it, I can I can link them to the Vimeo. Now, is this free or do you just charge people? No, it's free. Okay. I don't make any money off that movie. It's just a. It was a labor of love. Hmm. All right. So everybody, if you <laughs> want to watch Jamie's movie, it's Secret Shopper. It's like ten minutes long. What am I gonna do to get a? No, it's not. Movie, it's like two minutes long. <laughs> it's like <laughs> it's a tra- it's like a trailer length, but <laughs> it's a it is a micro short. We're going to cover Odorous Urungus from Guar Dying um, a little later because we have a special. Dan actually thought of this. Uh, our good friend who was just on the last show, Duncan McLeish, he interviewed Guar's Odorous, the guy who died from Holliston. And he interviewed him in like 2013, I guess, or yeah, like last year. So he, you know, he was generous enough to send us that interview and we're going to play it along with uh you know the adam green interview that we just did and uh it'll be like a combo thing to uh pay tribute to odorous because um you know i'm not a guar fan or anything i heard a couple songs now that we've been talking about it and they're okay they're not that bad yeah you see what i mean though by their style it's kind of hard to explain it's kind of off the wall-ish but it's not like bad music it's just kind of 
dunga dunga dunga, you know. <laughs> it's uh, juveniles to me, I think. Exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's like uh, it's like the uh, musical version of Beavis and Butthead. I, it it's like anybody could make these songs in a way. Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah and yeah, the yeah, things yeah. he talks about are are ridiculous. Uh, absolutely. Yep. So that's what it is, though. That's what they want. So uh, now, Dan, we we're covering a lot of things uh, today before we get into this Adam Green thing. So we what, are. What's uh, going on in in horror? Uh, Friday the Thirteenth. All right. What's happening? They said they they have to make a Friday the Thirteenth in the next five years or something to keep the rights in Paramount, right? Yeah, but you know what? Too, they, they they got a director attached to it now. But the thing is, it's he's not even confirmed. So at this point, it, we're just speculating on fucking rumors still. But uh, they got a director, so I mean, to all right, to me and <clears throat> to me, I don't even. I saw his past work, whatever. That that actually means nothing to me. I just want. I'm just glad because you don't want somebody fucking that established, anyways. I mean, you know, some of the best uh, movies come out of directors that you know don't. An experience, right? Great, yeah, a great repertoire of film. So I don't really care what he's done. Just to me, though, it just shows movement into hopefully, you know, what the movie may be. And I love it, though. As soon as this story comes out, everybody's like, oh, yeah, it's got a director. Yo, fuck Jason in the snow. Or, you know, fucking, let's see Jason. Like, the same fucking thing. Found footage. Like, everybody keeps talking about the same shit. When Jason in the snow. Shut up with Jason in the snow. Go. What was that, like, a year? year and a half ago, there were those fucking... It's a year and a half. That's been going on since 2005, I've been hearing. Exactly. Jason should be in the snow. Why the fuck would Jason be in the snow? That's like saying... I've actually seen Jason in the snow. How's there's that? There's a... There, well, because there is a, um... Scream. Scream. Fear. What the fuck? Is oh, the I think name? I know what you're talking about. Fearnet.com. No, they're gone. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Scream. TV. I think is what it's called. Oh, I'm gonna kill myself because I, I've interviewed guy. This I've interviewed this guy twice, and he's a really uh, cool okay. guy. Uh, he has a website where he makes shorts, and um, that he's currently making a series <laughs> of 13 short films, and I mean, and, well, it's a, it's a, you know. They're webisodes, and it's yeah. a, a continuing thing. But uh, it takes place around Christmas time. Oh my god! And, so and they're good. Like, they're it's pretty solid. Like, Was Jason get a new machete or something? For the in the first episode, he filmed in the town where the original Friday the Thirteenth yep. was filmed. Blairstown. He tried to get. Um, he actually was going to film on the camp where they filmed. However, the guy who runs the camp now is didn't want to. Uh, when he found out what he was doing, he was like, yeah, 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 come on and do it. But then when he found out what he was doing, he was like, no, nah, I don't think so. Because he didn't want to associate Jason, you know, on Friday the 13th with that camp anymore. Like it was and like, like anybody cares. They but, have um, tours of Friday the 13th every summer. Well, he didn't. This is what he told him. He didn't want him to. Anyway, the Doug Plumatillo is the, is the guy's name. And um He's just a huge Friday fan. He's Team Jason, and so he's making these shorts. And I've only seen a couple of episodes because he's yeah. releasing them monthly. Right. But um, it's actually not bad. They're pretty good. Yeah. Hmm. Well, that's good. They also get the Freddy version of that too, right, Alex? Yeah. They get the, those webisodes too. Have you seen those uh, yet, Jamie? The um, yes. the prequel I, things. I have. There um there are four that are available. So far, and I watched those. I just happened to watch those last night because we're oh, did you? on evil episodes. Are they good? They're really not. Yeah, they're really not bad. I was really impressed. Bad. The guy who plays Freddy is um, 
I mean, he's not Robert England, but he he actually does some things sometimes <laughs> with his face, you know, with um, his expressions, with his voice, his delivery that is very reminiscent of. Yeah, it really is. And um, more than that, it's <laughs> but it's brutal, too. I mean, it's they actually oh, yeah. kill kids in these things. And it's um, it's pretty. Oh, um, good. It's pretty good. brutal. I mean, yeah, I, I enjoy them. You know, I actually tried out. I tried out to be Freddy for that thing. They they asked me because they knew about the show, and I, and I was like, I sent in my tapes, and I was like, Hey, asshole, up here! <laughs> and they said, I don't know. And then I said, Go on, Jesse, try it on for size. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, they liked that one. And then you dropped an anvil on his head. Yeah, and then I said, No! No! <laughs> um, real quick, the um, the the Doug the Douglas Plumatalo. It's called Jason Xmas. Yes. The second episode is now available. He just released the second episode. I gotta see it's this. Called, it's like Jason X, but Jason Xmas because it's at Christmas time. Yeah, I got it. Yeah, yeah, we got it. Because <laughs> <laughs> it's your dog. dog. No, but hey, both of those uh, are pretty good. The, the Freddy one, I think the guy hams it up a little bit too much, but I think actually that's just. Oh, that's that normal Freddy then. Exactly. There you go. Well, no, he, I think he, he really wants to be Robert Englund, and I think he achieves it. It's just when you watch it, it's just like, oh, man, I wish they could have got dude to do it. But how do you really do that? You know, make him younger and shit. But, yeah, you're right, Jamie. That one's dark. And the uh, Jason ones are solid, too. I mean, hey, listen, dude, they're not fucking movie quality, you know, type shit. But, hey, they're fucking webisodes. They're fun. They're, they're like the Mortal Kombat webisodes that come out or uh, what else? Somebody help me here. Anyways, yeah, they're, they're webisodes. They are what they are. They're, they're, they're low budget, but they're, uh, they're fun. Well, as they're long fun as they're written well and acted well. And... If we ain't going to get a fucking movie, you know. Yeah, what we'll the like... fuck? You know, how could these idiots not jump on this? You know, they're so into remakes and bullshit like that. How could nobody think that it might be a good idea to make a Freddy, Jason, or Michael movie? I don't understand that. And here fucking Kevin Feige is sitting there and he's he's spelling out till 2000, I think, 28, how many Marvel films they're going to have, like leading up to Avengers 3, fucking Ant-Man, all these fucking movies, dude. And they can't even reboot a franchise. Correct. Unbelievable. Or have the balls to move forward with it. I mean, listen, dude, I know a lot of people wouldn't mind if they continued from that from that remake. Just do something. Do something. Exactly. Have some balls. Have some fucking faith in you. Because you don't even need balls. It's guaranteed money. They're idiots. It's guaranteed fucking idiot like Camp Dread. Everyone's going to go see it no matter what. I just wish they... All right, listen. Obviously, I just want a good fucking movie, a, a good script to go off of, dude. I mean, more than anything. I don't... Yeah, I want to see one just as bad as anybody, but if I knew, oh, hey, they're taking their time on this, you know, they're really taking their time with the script or something, then I'd feel a little bit more ease. But we don't even know that. I mean, it's the same dudes behind it, so... It, it, yeah, Paramount's involved now, but it's the same dudes fucking running it. Well, what is it, Brad Fuller and his fucking... Uh, fuck Brad Fuller. Now listen, that fucking sabotage we talked about last time couldn't make two million on opening day weekend, and then it made what five million if for whatever, uh, the the week or something. I forgot what it even was, but yeah. so check this out. Now 
I'll give you the last few Friday 13s, or a couple of them. Ready? Part 4, 11 million in theaters. Part 3, 9 million. This is in the 80s. Part 5, 8 million. And if you want to go for part 8, the bad one, 6 million, 14 lifetime. You want to get to the, the new shit? The remake, $40 million in the theaters mm. alone. $65 million in total sales, all the DVDs and all the other stuff. Like... Part part one is five million if they're forty million lifetime. Now Yeah, but look at movie ticket prices too. I mean you have to take that right. into account. Those are nineteen eighty dollars. That's versus, what I said. Yeah. I'm just saying I'm just reiterating. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so I'm double just it. saying it again. Those movies were two fucking dollars. That would actually back up your point even more though, Alex. Yes. Yeah. Two fucking dollars to see a movie in nineteen eighty and look what they made. Now, you idiots are going to run around making a remake of Father's Day and, and fuck, whatever, some stuff nobody even watches. Like, pretty. I'm going to see Oculus this weekend. Who's I heard that was good. The same yeah. guys, and I'm super excited about it. So. And that did good in the theaters, too. I think, yeah, that did really good. I think it came in third place, but for a horror movie, dude, that's fucking solid, dude. Especially with Captain I've heard, America's. I've heard see. nothing but good things about it. I read mm. a couple of reviews. Everyone keeps talking about how scary it is. What was yeah. it? Octopussy, you said? Yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> Sean Connery. <laughs> so. I guarantee you it's going to be a better haunted mirror film than the Amityville mirror film that I watched, which was total crap. But <laughs> um, real quick, I need to correct myself on something I said earlier because I'll feel bad if I don't. Um, it's scaredstiff.tv is, um, is the guy's channel. But I actually don't think that Jason Xmas is there because um, – I think he's putting those up separately, so you just have to Google Jason Xmas if you want to see those. But I do recommend that you go check out ScaredStiff.tv because it's just a, a channel with a bunch of shorts, and it's pretty fun. <laughs> I hope it's like a double in time. Like, are there really hot chicks in these movies or what? Is that why you're scared stiff? <laughs> Not that I recall. I don't, I don't recall thinking that, but, you know. Okay. Hemlock Grove got a second season, which uh, is proof that anybody can get a second season. I couldn't believe it, right, dude? Hey, Jamie, did you get through Hemlock Grove? I think yeah, I did. And what did you think of it overall? I liked it. I the the only thing I didn't like was that there were just wolves. You know, I yeah. I like my werewolves to be werewolfy. You know, I, I don't just. I'm not really that much into just shape-shifting into a regular wolf. That was the only thing I really had against it. But I I liked the story, and, um, you know, I thought it was kind of interesting. I, I thought, yeah, this got me interested to actually try and finish season one because I started it. But for me, it just 
I don't know, man. It just wasn't working for me. But I also heard too that you know it's kind of, it's pretty much a slow burn. You got to watch the full season to understand. Like I still don't know who that fucking giant with the hair is. Like what the hell's going on? Oh like, well, see that's the thing is yeah. I mean you watch the entire season and then everything sort of comes full circle and okay. it makes sense. Um, and you know that I like the I like it when shows do that though when they keep you so, hanging yeah. on and. Um, they keep, yep. they keep you guessing and not knowing what's going to happen next, and that's what drew me into American Horror Story. the The first season, um, the Murder House season, mm. it was just crazy bullshit after crazy bullshit after crazy bullshit, but it all kind of tied together at the end. Right. Um, and so, and I mean, this isn't that good, but I'm just saying it's they sort of they keep throwing things at you, but at the end, everything sort of comes comes around, and I really like the way it wrapped up. Cool. Yeah, I'm definitely going to check it out now that it's good a season two. I mean, because I guess in the back of my mind, I'm like, oh, I can always watch it because I did not think it was going to get renewed. But it did, man. And I, I, I'm happy, actually. I wasn't thrilled with what I saw. I didn't see anything that spectacular. But I mean, I'm more than willing to give it a shot for, for obvious reasons in my case. But uh, yeah, dude. I'll definitely check that shit out. And like I said, TV's still killing it, man. You got the new Fargo show coming, coming out. Uh, Cohen Brothers movie. If everybody hasn't seen Fargo, what the fuck? But uh, yeah, uh, Billy Bob Thornton, fucking Bilbo Baggins is in there. I mean, they got tons of fucking big actors on that show, so that looks. They good. say you got to get that true coat. <laughs> it's it's basically <laughs> they actually have the first ten minutes online already of the show, and it's basically that. It's basically the same characters, and yeah, now uh, I really want to watch Fargo. I know, right? Oh, dude, I love Fargo. But yeah, man, I mean, I want to see a wood chipper in this, too. Hopefully, we'll get to see that. But, um, what about yeah, Bates Motel Season 2, man? That, see, that's what I, was, I want to talk to you guys about that real quick. How, where are you guys with Bates Motel? Like, wh- How do you feel about it? What is it? Like, I love midway, it. Midway through oh, wait, Season 2? Oh, wait, you can't talk about the one that came out yesterday on the 14th, because I didn't see that yet. I actually okay. haven't watched that one yet, either, but I'm caught up up to that point. Okay. And, um... I'm digging this season. I think that oh, uh, I, I I love Norma Bates. She is probably one of my favorite characters on television right now. Mm-hmm. I just I love her. Norman is getting fucking. He's losing his shit, dude. Wicked <laughs> close, huh? He became evil, man. Ever since he right? got pussy, he's another guy. <laughs> <laughs> no, he got it last year actually. <laughs> but now he's like a rabid weasel or something, man. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, I just think uh, with, with the base motel, it's I I love the storylines and shit. And if you guys haven't seen the last episode, then uh, I'm gonna refrain from getting into too many fucking spoilers here. But I just want to say, like, do you guys think that by the end, it's gonna be kind of like overkill? No pun intended. Oh, with no. with the with the killings, as far as that goes, because I mean, let, let's face it. Well, I can't say that because you guys haven't seen the episode, but. There's a lot of shit that um, with Norman and and Norma ever since the beginning that they've been getting in so many shenanigans that it just seems like maybe, I don't know, by season five or whatever, how much can these people endure? I do think, though, the season is lighter. I think Norma Bates is a lot lighter. I mean, shit, she's going for, what, city council now or whatever the fuck? And, and, And Norman's acting up and she's pretty okay with it. Like, she's just slapping him on the hand and saying, okay. Yeah, and and because she feels for him and his fucking blackouts and shit. But um, oh, dude, I don't know. She yeah. fucked up his driver's test. But I was like, oh shit. Oh, I know. Yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> 
you sucker. There's it's so many fun. moments where I'm just like, oh, you feel for the kid. You're like, oh, that's got to be so fucking embarrassing. There's a oh, lot of those man. moments in this show. But, if um, they I, do it the same clip that they've been going for five seasons, I don't think there will be a town left. Exactly, right? <laughs> I mean, yeah. it's just like, where are they going to keep getting the people? And dude, holy shit, getting fucking uh, Catherine Robertson from 90210 to be the sister of that guy. Holy fuck, is she hot, dude? Oh my god, dude! You think so? I have never liked her. I oh, never thought hell? she was pretty. Even back on nine hundred two and oh, I did not think she was pretty. Get she was... out of here! Did you no see those way. tits? No way! She was the only like. Well, okay, I didn't think Tori Spelling was all that pretty either. But I, Ugh. but I just I couldn't even like looking at her. No way! Okay, she she had like a fake nose thing look going in the nineties, but I don't know, man. She looks, I. I don't know. She looks hot in this show, too. I don't know. She's a lot older. She's like 38, but that's still hot. You know? Oh, you're... she's smoking, dude. She's smoking. Uh, yeah, so uh, everybody, check out Bates Motel, man. I still think it's good. And you know what? I think, I'll be honest with you, man, It's. I think it's It's pretty obvious. Uh, me and Jason were talking about it. It's obvious that season two is going to be better than season one. For some reason, man, yeah. see, season one, I'll, I'll be honest, I didn't, I didn't like some of the places that they went. Like... The the pot thing now is, like, um, tolerable to me. It's not overwhelming. But it seemed, like, a little too much in the first season. A little, like, it was about that. And I didn't want to think about that, really, when I'm watching Psycho stuff. And, yeah. And I didn't yeah. want to think about Chinese girls locked up in basements and being sex slaves. Like, what the fuck is that? Like, I'm, I'm trying to watch Norman Bates run a motel and kill people in the shower. I don't want to see. Do you know I completely forgot about that whole storyline? You, you probably blocked it out. Until you just mentioned it, I forgot it even existed. Exactly, see? Well, and then you got Deputy Shelby, you got the guy in the with the glasses who fucking the sheriff kills at the dock. I mean, and, and oh, can I say something too, man? And, and even more so with this last episode, but increasingly over this past season, I fucking love Sheriff Romero, dude. That guy is the man. Yeah, he switched around. Yeah. yeah, but not only not only the way he's like nicer to them now and more sympathetic, but just that guy's acting, man. So it's, there's just subtle things that like he's a prick, but he's nice. You know what I mean? Like I don't know, man. I just, that's just one of my favorite characters. Dude, I don't even notice his eyeliner anymore, man. No, exactly, dude. You know, no. exactly. <laughs> and he he was like a mayor on Batman or something, right? He was the, yeah, dude, he was the mayor in Batman, he's the fucking dude in Lost, he's a, you know, like, I want to kill you so bad. Oh, dude, the dude from Sons of Anarchy was on this season. He's, uh, Norma Bates' brother. Oh, yeah, that's right, yeah, 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 yep. He's the guy who stepped on a landmine and went sky high. (laughs) That's right, dude. Uh, (laughs) That's right, he was a good shit. Yeah, he was on Sons. He he got robbed by a bunch of ghetto babies. They uh, stole a, a van with a bunch of guns and because uh, they tricked him into playing basketball with him. Then they knocked him out and took his thing. And uh, he got blown up. He stepped on a landmine. So now he's available for uh, Bates Motel. <laughs> so. He moved away, Pines Bay.
Everybody, we are back, and here he is for the third time on the Skeleton Crew, our a good friend of the show, Adam Green. Adam, thank you so much for joining us once again. Thanks for having me. Oh, really? You don't even remember us, do you? <laughs> <laughs> no, I, you know, I, when I, as soon as I heard your voices and you were asking how much time we have, I'm like, wait a minute, I think I remember doing like a 12-hour interview with these guys at some point, so... <laughs> yeah, dude, that is actually uh, we, we, you know, that was 2013. So we we took a poll, you know, uh, all the listeners. We said, "What is your favorite show?" And that was the overwhelming favorite. They said that was the best interview we ever heard. That was the best show you've ever done. And it's like widely known as like our best show ever. So thank you for that. I mean, I'm sure it was mostly in part to you. <laughs> well, thank thank you to the people who said that. Uh, I appreciate that. Um, yeah, this has been this press schedule has been kind of rigorous, and they've only allotted me ten minutes. And so, someone will ask me how I'm doing, and before I'm done, the interview's over. But at least this is the last one today, so I can go longer. But um, yeah, I feel awful because I answer like one question, and then I have to go. So. <laughs> well, actually, our first one was like that with you, so <laughs> we we know how that is. So, uh, well, and that was our first interview too. Um, and you know, we were amateurs at that point so when we got you for that long and it was so, it's so great talking to you man and it was my personal favorite too and uh and we really enjoyed it like you said everybody else did too and um and that's when they were like yeah you know 10 minutes and we we're like what the fuck are we gonna do with 10 minutes dude like i like you said like where do you, where do you even start like not, yeah so i'm i'm super stoked too man because I mean, we talked to you right before uh, season two came out. Yeah, I believe you were promoting it, and uh, <laughs> season two came out, man. And holy shit! I mean, it, uh, on a serious note, you did such a great job, man. I mean, it's it's hard to say because I don't want to say season one was bad in any sense. It was everything that a horror fan wanted it to be. But season two, dude, you fucking took it to a whole different level. Like you seemed to really zone in on to into like what you were really aiming for so thank you i mean there's a i think there's a number of reasons for that i think the the main one is just as an audience member the second season of anything is always perceived as funnier as you know better for lack Mm -hmm. of a better term and a lot of that's because now you're you're familiar with the show you know the characters you're you're laughing at stuff sometimes before it's even said because you already know what's what's going to happen and I you know like my favorite show of all time is well not all time I guess well it's probably all in the family or Seinfeld and the first few episodes of Seinfeld I watched I didn't I didn't laugh at all I just didn't get it yet and then once I kept watching it then all of a sudden I was like oh yeah this is actually really funny so we found with season one 
there are a lot of critics that would say by the third or fourth episode, they really started to find their groove. And it's like, we huh. shot the fourth episode, the Tony Todd episode first. Yeah. And it's just, <laughs> it's just a trick I picked up from doing movies where you never want to shoot the first scene of the movie on your first day of shooting because you are still finding your groove with the crew and everybody else. And sometimes then your movie gets off to a little bit of a weak start. So um, with Paulison, we actually shot the later episodes first and we shot the pilot last. So mm. it was interesting when people would say that. Yeah. But you don't want to sound pretentious, but it's like, well, actually, it wasn't us finding our groove. It was you finding your groove with the show, which is completely understandable. So with season two, everybody's set up now and... The you know the characters are all developed, the relationships, right. and then you get really just hit the ground running and yeah. and do your thing. But it also helps because I got to have almost a full year in between shooting those seasons of reading reviews and meeting fans and reading the fan mail. And the fan mail is like it's just in, it's intense some of it. It's not just like mm. a page of you know <laughs> I love the show. It's like personal stories that people feel compelled to share about the girl that they can't get over or the guy they can't get over or feeling like an outcast or a failure or I'm, I mean some of it is deeply personal stuff and I think that really proved to me that I could make the show that I wanted to make and I didn't need to be afraid to get sentimental or emotional because the horror fans would go with that and right. there was a little bit of not pushback really but I guess just um, there were a little uh I don't know what the right word is. They were a little worried, I guess, at the network because it's obviously weird enough that their first original show is a sitcom. But then when they saw the Christmas special, they (laughs) really didn't like it. And they wanted me to cut out the emotional stuff, which is the heart of that episode. So I understood where where they were coming from, that their brand is that it's a horror network, and they were worried that if people are crying watching something they're going to be like the fuck is this so uh for television the christmas special was edited down by five minutes and it was all the sentimental stuff which oh, is Jesus. what that episode is that got cut out so yeah actually they just did a marathon um the day after dave died and i actually watched the christmas special on television and i, I couldn't even watch it i mean it was so choppy and because all the good stuff was cut out of it. Right. So I'm happy that now when people get the Blu-ray and that is technically the first episode of season two that they get to see what it was supposed to be. And and I think that's why fans have such a personal attachment to this show and, and feel such a connection to it is because we're not afraid to be that honest or, or cry. Um, right. One more thing, I guess, about that Christmas special. The final, there's this big scene in the hallway towards the end where Corey English and I have this big emotional confrontation and I had scripted something but I decided the night before to just throw it out and I said I'm going to just um, improv this I have no idea what I'm going to say but this way it'll be real and you won't be prepared for what I'm going to say and I won't be prepared so we didn't know it was going to get that heated and emotional but when we shot it and by the end of it we're both crying and the crew's crying and I was like what other sitcom does this so I was really right. proud of it. And then when the network said, yeah, we got to lose that, I was like, oh, kill me. Yeah. That's the only time they ever stepped in and requested that we change anything. And I got to give them credit, too, because 
fantastic changes. They were like, look, we're not going to make you do anything, but we would we would like it if you would take that out. So like, yeah, right. Yeah, passive-aggressive week. Um, yeah, and dude, but the thing is with that, like, everything you've done with Holliston, man, I mean, I, you know, I don't want to sit here and suck your dick too much here, but you've been groundbreaking in a lot of things, man. I mean, you know, first, the network, FearNet, is kind of a unique channel in itself, I think. Uh, it is in my specific situation, because I don't get FearNet. I get FearNet on demand. I don't get the channel. It's not, the channel's not available, the, the on-demand services, and it's weird, because They'll put Holliston episodes up there for a while So they're there to watch And I remember, I still to this day Haven't seen the last three episodes Of season two Because I just happened to miss them when they were airing Yeah Dude It's killing me it's it's killing me, man. Wow. And so that's why too. I'm really excited for for the Blu-ray release. Now, hey, real quick, I I think you guys touched on this on the podcast too, but there is no DVD release, correct? It's just a Blu-ray. No, they're not oh, doing okay. a DVD release, and it's um it sucks. Like obviously, we were really angry when we found out about that, and we found <laughs> out about that by looking on Amazon.com and seeing that there was no DVD. (laughs) That's how we find stuff out around here. So, um, but I kind of get it in the fact that DVD is really going the way of VHS at this point. And Mm. for Image, the distributor of the the digital stuff and Blu-ray and DVD, the Blu-ray of season one, like, far outsold the DVD. And with season two, there's 300 and... 40 minutes of content, I think. Mm. So they would have needed to make like a four DVD set and the packaging would have been really expensive and it would have ended up costing the fans a ton of money because it would have cost much money to make on their part. Whereas with a Blu-ray, you can fit everything on one disc. So that's really what it came down to was a, a cost issue. But it does suck because especially horror fans, there's a lot of us that can't fucking afford a Blu-ray player, you know, like... Yeah. As much as I, I'm, I've had a successful career so far, like I don't ever forget what it was like. I mean, that's what the show is. And um, I know that sucks for some people because they're resistant to upgrading to Blu-ray, which is weird because a lot of people have big screen TVs, but they still watch DVDs on them, which maybe it's just because I'm a filmmaker. I, I don't know how somebody can sit through that. I mean, it's stretched right? out. It looks like shit. It sounds like shit. <laughs> But um, yep. but that's how some people still watch their stuff. So yeah. the good thing is you can get the show on Xbox, on iTunes. Um, uh, eventually, it'll be on Netflix and Hulu. I don't know when mm. they're doing that, but um, it, it will get there at some point. But uh, Hulu, I think season one and the Christmas special is already up there. Um, mm. I don't know when season two will be up there, but we've kind. Of, the reason why the show's not on Netflix yet, mm. to be totally honest, is that we're holding back because if you go to Netflix, like with season one, it was six episodes. Like they're literally not going to give you anything for it. Um, so we wanted to wait till we had more content. It's the same thing with people in other countries that are waiting for it. It's like, there's not that many episodes a season. So we have to be smart about it and wait until we have enough content to make it worth it. Because why would a channel in the UK take a show that has six episodes? Like, what are they going to do with that? So right. that's really what the the whole back has been there, but eventually it will be everywhere. 
Dude, that's going to be huge, man. Netflix is going to be huge for, for somebody like you, man. Because, I mean, everybody that knows about this show loves this fucking show. But I feel like uh, the, its potential hasn't peaked yet. Like, so like everybody that should see it hasn't. And I talk about Halston all the time, man. And everybody's like, I've heard of it. I haven't seen it. I want to see it. And it's just, like, so frustrating, dude. It's like, oh, man. So everybody's got Netflix. Well, a lot of people have Netflix. A lot of my friends do anyways. And uh, and that'll be big, man. I'm calling it. That'll be fucking huge, dude. And uh, Yeah, it'll. We're, we're really, obviously, frustrated because we, we want as many people as possible to see the show. But uh, there's nothing we can do about it. So yeah. instead, we're sort of embracing the fact that we're enjoying these years where it's really cool that the fan base isn't there's not a lot of tourists like people who love this show are like super fucking passionate about it so when we do conventions and stuff like you can't just like sign something and move on to the next one because everybody has like 20 minutes of stuff they want to talk to you about and that's that's really special and a lot of other shows or movies don't don't have that same kind of connection and i think the fans that have been lucky enough whether they get Fearnet or they buy, they buy the Blu-ray or whatever it might be, um, they kind of feel like they're in on something that not everybody knows about yet. And right. there, is, there is something that's kind of cool about that. But it, like you said, man, it's got a lot of heart. I mean, a lot of heart. And 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 people that like you, like I was saying before, I think you know people are or especially a, a network like Fearnet or something. You know, um, they're not accustomed to you know letting all those emotions kind of stir and, and kind of produce the greatness that I think Holliston is. That they don't really understand it, so they they don't want to go with it. But you, I think you've nailed it, dude. I think you found the the perfect tone where you can go fucking so crazy with it and uh you know you can go really emotional with it and it, it's everything dude it's it's a, it's a, it's from a to z so i think personally well, that you, know, you nailed it i taught like i it's hard because like you know that's the thing i'm probably most proud of with the show and like you know it, it's hard to talk about all the other stuff sometimes when i do interviews and then i wonder like wow when people hear these interviews and read these interviews do they think it's like Dawson's Creek or something like but <laughs> yeah, right? not sorry. um but I do think that not just the fact that on behalf of us and everybody behind making the show but the fact that the fans have rallied behind it the way they have it's um it's changing the perspective of horror fans to people who are on the outside who think they know what we are but are so wrong and Right. You know, I always use conventions as an example, but like if you go to a convention knowing nobody, if you just put out the slightest bit of effort, you're going to make like 50 new friends there because our fans are the nicest people in the world. And that's why we're a culture and not, you know, romantic comedy fans or action movie fans. They don't have conventions and stuff. Like it, there's no point. But the fact that the, the fact that horror fans are being portrayed as real people and not, sight gags or um, right. supporting characters that are all dressed like, you know, black nail polish and miserable and just in the blood and gore, <laughs> but living, breathing people, I think that's changed a lot of people's perspective um, of horror fans when they watch Holliston. And it's also been cool that when we did a convention in Cincinnati, it was like 1,700, 17,000 people. And 
we were so overwhelmed they had to move us to another like wing of the convention hall and there was like fire yeah. marshals that kept shutting down our line and meanwhile like the walking dead didn't have that same problem so that was really cool to see nice because that's the biggest show in the world yeah. but there's so many people that came through the line that were like housewives and families and <laughs> they just saw the show because it was on tv and they don't even like horror movies so they were really kind of freaked out by the whole convention scene and all these people walking around with blood on them and like it was it was new to them but you'll hear them say things like yeah we went and we found that movie shocker because you guys talk about it all the time and we love it and it's like dude if i can turn more people on a shocker then yeah i know yeah for me like it must be not only a dream come true but you must feel like some sense of accomplishment to where this has never been done before like this is this is never not only never been done before but it's good it's it's really well, good it's poignant I, um first of all thank you and uh, you're too kind but i uh you know first of all it i have to attribute all that to the fans which is why i give so much of myself to the fans because I'm in a very rare position where I have my own studio, I do the things that I want to do, and it's only because the fans truly support me, and they don't steal my shit all the time. They, they actually go out of their way to go see these things in theaters, even though they're not usually marketed well, and you don't even have to, the world doesn't even know that they're out. Or they buy the DVD, or they buy the Blu-ray, or they buy the T-shirts, and because of that, I'm able to just keep doing the things that I want to do, and I haven't had to take you know a city remake because it was a huge paycheck and look i mean to be totally honest sometimes you know you, you do find yourself struggling with that it's like wait a minute i could go do this studio movie and buy another house and have you know all this financial security or i could go do the thing that i want to do and end up paying to work on it um but i would rather do the things i want to do and there's very few people that are in that position and the only reason i am in that position is because of this insane fan base that i have worldwide so that's huge but when you mentioned like you must just sit back and and think oh wow i did this um i actually i just had a i think i mentioned this on the podcast but i never got too into it because it's too long of a story but i ended up to the most random situation getting to spend an afternoon with Steven Tyler oh yeah yeah and a friend of mine is directing a movie actually the that episode of the podcast is coming up uh, his name is Casey Tebow and he directs a lot of Aerosmith videos their concert movies and he directs a lot of their their live shows and so we've become friends and he's about to direct his first feature film and Steven Tyler is playing a role in it so he'd asked me if I would, wouldn't mind sitting down with Steven to talk about the character. And I was like, yeah, dude, of course. Now, I am the biggest Aerosmith fan in the world. I've seen him 31 fucking times. My cat is named Steven Tyler. Like, I, I absolutely worship this man. So the, the first time I met him was after a show, and all I said was, I have a cat. That's all I said. I couldn't, like, Corey English was with me. And I'm thinking, as I'm walking up to meet him, should I tell him that I, I named my cat Tyler and Perry? And Seth Green, who was with us, was like, you know what, man, don't, don't do that. I'm like, yeah, you're right. <laughs> and, and I get up to Steven, and he's like, how you doing, man? And I'm like, I have, a, I have a cat. And that was it. That's all I could say. He was like, all right, cool. And that was the end of it. So thankfully, I got some redemption, and I got to actually spend the whole afternoon with him. And we talked about the character and you know, did work stuff for maybe five minutes. And then 
just talked about our careers and I have never felt like I've accomplished anything. I struggle with it all the time. I constantly feel like I'm a failure, like everything I do sucks. And I, I, part of me thinks that's kind of a good thing because, you know, it's always funny when a critic wants to rip apart your stuff because I'm always like, is that all you got? Like, I can huh, fucking put a count on this thing. But um, it does keep you motivated and trying harder and harder with each thing to get better. And the listening to some of the stuff that he goes through, and this is a guy is at the top of his game. He's the greatest living rock star. I mean, undeniably, and it's a 40-year career, all he's done, and he has to deal with the same stupid bullshit I have to deal with. Like, um, an example he gave me was their new record, Music From Another Dimension. The, when you open up the gatefold of the album, there's artwork. It's a drawing of the band that Flash had done when he was a kid. And all Steven Tyler had requested to Sony was don't, touch the artwork i don't care that the the fold of the gatefold goes through the middle of it don't compromise the integrity of the artwork and every time they sent it back to him somebody had moved the shit around and changed it and he had to end up personally calling the graphic artist and getting in an argument with this kid who like he doesn't give a shit he's just doing his job and going home and um and hearing that it was like oh you know now i don't feel so bad because that's what i have to deal with all the time like press releases where things are spelled wrong. The Blu-ray of season two of Holliston, it says, including the animated Christmas special. The Christmas special is fucking animated. If they had just showed it to me, I could have fixed it, but they didn't show it to me. And, you know, uh, Dee Snyder's name sometimes is spelled wrong in press releases. And it's just because these are people doing a day job. They don't care. And he said, he's like, look, no one's ever going to care about your art like you do. So it's okay if people don't like you. Like, you, sometimes you have to, you know, don't be an asshole about it, but stand mm-hmm. up to yourself. And it was something I struggled with a lot. But at one point in the conversation, he stopped and said, by the way, I never, I forgot to say congratulations. And I was really confused. And I'm like, about what? And he's like, what do you mean about what? He's like, look at all your movies, your TV show. He's like, has anyone ever stopped and just said congratulations? And I was like, uh, I don't I mean, maybe, but I guess I didn't hear it. And he's like, sometimes it just takes another artist to say to you, hey, Steven, congratulations on 40 years of music. Or, hey, Adam, congratulations on nine movies and two seasons of a TV show. And um, I think that's what it took uh, for me to actually, for the first time, at least feel like I accomplished something. I'm still always going to be insecure about it and thinking it's going to be better, but, like, it was... It just came at the right time, and I think he's probably one of the only people alive that I would hear it from. But it was um, it was an amazing opportunity, and I feel like my life has been somehow blessed with that stuff, where I've gotten in these situations where I end up meeting these artists that I just love and idolize, and they've always lived up to everything that every expectation that I could have forced on them as a child, but, you know, I expect him to be, even the fact that Steven Tyler, like, at his house, he looks like he does on stage. Like, I prepared myself for the fact that, all right, this is a real guy. He's not going to, you know, look like that or anything. It's like he stepped right off the stage. And he's singing and dancing and, like, I mean, he's just just the (laughs) nicest, nicest, smartest guy. And, like, when you talk, he, he doesn't break eye contact with you. He's so interested in what you're saying. And, like, I mean... You just wouldn't think that it would be like that. But um, And how I've ended up in these situations is always the most random thing. Like, I don't stalk these people or request meetings with them or, like, anything. It just ends up happening. So it's, I've been very, very, very fortunate 
uh, that things have gone that way. Wow. That's friggin' awesome, man. You know, back to Holliston real quick. Um, it wouldn't be right for us to talk about Holliston and, and just try to ignore or kind of gloss over the passing of, you know, Odorous, you know, David Brocky. Uh, of course, it's a very personal thing for you, and our hearts go out to you, brother. I mean, all you guys, uh, you even mentioned how hard it's been promoting Holliston so soon after his passing. So uh, maybe we could just get into uh, how you guys met, how it came to be that he, you know, became a character on the show and, uh, you know, happier things like that. Well, the, you know, the show took 13 years to get made the way I wanted it to get made. And usually the other networks that had been set up at, that was usually the first thing they went after was the horror element. They would be like, well, do the guys have to want to be horror filmmakers? Can't they want to do something else? And then it would be going after the imaginary alien in the closet because they were like, that's just too weird. And people won't accept it. And but once I knew I was going to be able to do that, it was always, and this has to be that it's got to be odorous. I didn't know him personally. And so I, I think actually Joe was friendly with the publicist for Metal Blade Records, and we told her what we were trying to do. And so she arranged for me to go backstage and meet him. And I mean, I've been a Guar fan, and at this point, 25 years. So it was it was really cool, but I mean he's just such a normal guy, and to be in Guar for thirty years, it's like you don't do that for the money and the fame, right. and I mean they do it because they love it, and that's always how Dave made his decisions. He just wanted to do cool things and work with good people, so he just I mean it, I, it certainly helped that he knew who I was, he had seen my movies. It's not I don't. I think if I just walked back there cold, being like, yeah, I've never done anything, but I want you to be in this thing, yeah, then maybe it would have been a different story. But um, he, yeah, he just embraced it. And, you know, my my crew is really my family. I've worked with the same people now for 15 years. And no matter what the movie is and how different it might be from the last one, it's usually the same people behind it. And that, I don't want to use the word tough, but it's a, it's sometimes a difficult situation for somebody new to walk into because, you know, it's like walking into a party where everybody knows each other, but you're the new person. Like it can be, it, it could, I could see why it might feel weird, but, um, my crew is also the most welcoming people in the world. And like, if I'm saying like, Hey, this is, this is our new family member. Everybody's like, I love you. So, uh, he became, part of it so fast and he he cared about this show so much and everybody involved and um i posted a, a blog about it where i included his last voicemail to me because oh, I think that man. it really sums up who he was but i mean he'd be on the road in the middle of all this crazy stuff and he would just leave a message to say i just want you to know i love you like yeah. i don't do that um and i think it's because I'm a guy and guys don't do that. Like I would never say to Joe Lynch, like, Hey, I love you. I just wouldn't do that. And yeah, yeah. I do it. All my friends rag on me. I do it all the time, but uh, you fag. Yeah. I, I, you know, I'll do it, but it'll be kind of like, yeah, right. I love you, man. Whatever. I like, love you, brother. Yeah. Always, yeah. He always took the time to make sure that everybody knew how appreciated you were. And, um, and right. that, I mean, that's one of the things that I'm hoping to take out of, the tragedy of losing him is to be more like him like that because I don't know that many people that could die that suddenly out of nowhere 
and be able to leave feeling like nothing was left unsaid. Like, everybody knows what they meant to him. Um, there's no bad blood with anybody. There's like He was just such a, a good guy like that. But the fact that I was such a fan growing up and the first song the band learned how to cover was Sick of You. And I mean, he was such an important creative force, and especially forming my sense of humor and the ability to, to laugh at such absurd things like political leaders and pop culture figures and how how brave he was that he could say whatever the fuck he wanted and you couldn't argue with him because if you did, he would be like, and you're arguing with a rubber alien. And then you, and then right. so like you, you could get away with anything. Um, I think that helped a lot. So the fact that he shaped so much of my childhood and then he ends up playing my, my guardian angel on the show and in real life a lot. I mean, he, he always had trouble sleeping as do I. So a lot of times he'd call me, it would be like three, four in the morning, my time. Cause he knew I was up. Right. and just to talk about whatever and um so it was a very very close friendship and um it's been it's been really hard and i i know a lot of people like a lot of these interviews i've been doing the question is like all right so what happens now with the show and like i don't i'm not there yet i don't know and like i this is going to take a while to come to terms with and i gotta i gotta straighten out my my personal life before I can even attempt to try to figure out the show so I know that if I stopped doing the show which of course was the knee-jerk reaction like that first week after it happened I just kept telling the cast because everybody the moment it happened everybody kind of gathered here at Periscope and just stayed here through the night like even like hours would go by that nobody was even saying anything but everybody was just together and um, I would say, okay, well, I'm done. Like, I don't want to do it anymore, and that's it. And, you know, that's not the right reaction. He would fucking kill me if that's why I stopped. But um, I do have four movies coming up this year that I'm already signed on to do. So I'm going to do that stuff for a while, and then maybe toward the end of the year, see where I'm at and bring everybody back together to, to start talking about another season. But... And it's not even just the Dave thing. It's also the fact that, like you guys were saying, it's so hard to find the show. And a lot of that is because of the way the show is financially put together, where CNN doesn't own the show. It's not their show. They just license it from Aeroscope. Right. So it's another rare opportunity where it's truly an independently made TV show where, where I own it and I can do what I want with it. So moving forward, now that it has such a big following, we're trying to explore other options where potentially there's a way where, yeah, it could still be on TV. I mean, hopefully even Fairnet because we love Fairnet, but right. it could also be made available everywhere else at the same time on the same day, rather than having to wait an arbitrary few months. And then all of a sudden you hear it's on iTunes and the H section, but it, it was never listed in new releases or, you know, so we're trying to come up with a, a stronger way of putting things together where the show can be more widely accessible. So there's yeah. a bunch of places that are interested. I mean, now that the show has proven itself, it's a little bit easier to do something like that. So we'll see what happens um, in the future. But I mean, for now, it's uh, anything Holocaust related, and which, you know, it sucks that he died um, right when we had to start promoting the season two. Yeah, I know. I was going to say that. That must be so tough. Like, you have to sit here, and that's the main topic of every, you know, all your promotion. And it's like, God, that's got to be... Yeah, right? Shit. Well, the publicist said, you know, they, first they said, do you even want to do any interviews? Because we understand if you don't want to do them. And I was like, look, I, I can't... That's not fair to the show if I say no because I'm uncomfortable right now. 
so you got to do it. I mean, it's the same thing with doing conventions or public appearances. Sometimes you're sick or you're dealing yeah. with some awful personal shit. You got to turn that off. And that's, I think that's probably a good reason why so many people in this industry are on drugs because it's really hard to, um, A, the ups and downs are so high and so low and they happen mm. so fast that that fucks up a lot of people. So they end up turning to other substances in order to try to like not feel or to, to even it out. Um, and I, I've been lucky that I've always been just surrounded by, I mean, I'm, my closest friends are still my high school friends. So like I've been able to sort of stay out of that. But a lot of that's also because I have, I'm on my own little island here with Aeroscope where we do our thing and I don't need to necessarily deal with all that other bullshit. So that, that helps, but it's, um, yeah, it's, it's really a, 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 a fucked up situation to be put into, but I know that they did, or at least I think that they had told most of the journalists I was going to interview with, like, just not, don't bring it up, which I know is kind of unfair because that's obviously the story right now, but uh, and everybody's been super respectful of that. Nobody's been trying to, like, push for, you know, information that I don't have or know or anything, and, um, it's, uh, yeah, everybody's been really, really respectful of it. Yeah, well, we didn't know whether to ask you or not either, bro. And it's just, it's tough, man. I mean, I lost my buddy, too, in, a, in an unexpected way. And it was just really tough for me. And I, I get it, man. It's really tough. And I, I know exactly what you're saying, how you can't even think about it. And, and with the show kind of on hiatus at, at the same time, I mean, how, you know, it, it sucks, but it's almost like, well, you know, you got those, what you said, four, four movies coming up. I mean, would you even have time to do Halston? I mean, if, 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 um, well, you know, doing, doing all those uh, movies, shit. <laughs> there's one movie that I'm, I'm finishing this week. And then there's, really? uh, another one that I've signed on to that would be supposed to shoot in the late summer. And then there might be one that shoots actually right away. Um, I'm just trying to go do some different things right now. I think that that's, just sort of right. where I'm at and right, right. try some things that maybe haven't done before. Like one of them is a studio movie, but it's, it just feels like it's the right one. Um, for nice. me. but, uh, so yeah, I mean, there's always time cause I multitask and I don't sleep. Although now seeing what, what that did to Dave, I'm trying to, I'm trying like every year. I'm always like, you know, this year I'm going to, slow down a little bit and I'm going to sleep. I mean, when we're working on Hollis and if I sleep more than an hour a night, that's like a good night. Like I'll go what, dude? days without sleeping. No, yeah, dude, he, yeah, he, he told us all this. No, I know. No, no. When <laughs> yeah, I say, dude, when I think I don't sleep, like it's like five hours and I'm like, I got to shit sleep. <laughs> dude, are you serious? One hour? How, yeah, how does, that, how does that, that happen? That's normal for somebody to only get five hours and be like, oh shit, I'm exhausted the next day. But I've been doing, I've been going at this pace for so long and it's, oh uh, so I do, I gotta stop at some point. And, um, I had one, I think, I think we talked about this last time. No, cause I think we were just starting to shoot season two. Um, there was a moment on season two where I actually, uh, passed out on set while we were rolling. I mean, we were in the middle of a scene, an audience and everything. It was a, a scene in the cable station and I didn't have that many lines. It was mainly Joe and D. And then the next thing I know, I heard cut and everybody was like laughing. And Sean Decker, who was directing, was like standing next to me. He's like, dude, you need to sit down. And I was like, what? He's like, you were, you were asleep. You completely passed out. I was like, holy shit. So that was a kind of a wake up call, but um, a lot, it's just taking on too many things because 
season two, season two, and this Chris Columbus movie, if it ever happens, because that, uh, that I'm doing Killer Pizza. Yeah. Season yeah. two and Killer Pizza were being written while I was on set for Hatchet Three, and as much as I wasn't directing. I was producing, which is in some ways even worse because all you do is deal with problems. That's all right. you do. Like, at least when you're directing, there's other people that are trying to shield you from the fact that, like, a crew member went home because they had to take a shit or, like, that, <laughs> that was that, that shoot was the worst shoot that I've ever been on, ever. Like, it just, really? we had everything set up because we shot almost the entire thing in New Orleans and uh, then something happened and Dark Sky told us to push a few months and we ended up pushing into a time when there were seven other movies shooting down there so all of the best crews were taken and we're in a swamp and eating alive and like yeah it was um, that one was rough but I came back from that and then went right into production on Holliston and it just never it just never ended so um, I'm trying to Space that out. As I say, oh yeah, I have two other movies coming, and I'm gonna do it. Yeah, yeah, you're really spacing it out. <laughs> I know, but I'm trying to do them one at a time. <laughs> well, did, did you ever try like uh, warm milk or uh, what was that, echinacea <laughs> no, or something? No, like nothing, nothing works. I tried like melatonin. I tried, you know, doctor prescribed sleeping pills and stuff, and like it just, it doesn't. It just it'll it'll knock me out for like an hour, and then yeah. I'm like, it just doesn't. It doesn't really do anything, but but then you know sometimes I'll take a vacation. Like I think a year, maybe almost two years ago now, like Riley and I went away to somewhere really nice and I slept. It was really cool. <laughs> it's like, <laughs> um, but it's uh, yeah, but you know, it's, with this career especially, like at any moment, this is all going to probably be over. So you got to enjoy it as much as you can while you're relevant and you can. I think with you, you just keep getting better. I don't think your career is going to ever end because, like, everything you do, you, you there's a clear progression. There's clear, like, more passion goes into every newer thing. And it's just like, uh, I don't know. I don't, I don't think your career is going to end anytime soon, man, honestly. Well, I, thank you, but it's, uh, I mean, just statistically looking around, right. you know, it's like but. those masters of horror dinners that they have every, every <laughs> few months, and you yeah. go there, and yeah. you're looking at these guys that you idolize, and like, the, some of them, like, they can't get anything made right now, and it's, it's right, a shame, right. because they're still the, the genius that they were 20 years ago, so what's the fucking problem, but I think the industry is going through such a, a huge shift in the fact that, um, like, well, first of all, there's the fact that the audience started only supporting things that they already knew and they wouldn't see anything that they didn't already know. <laughs> yeah, right. The 2000s were obscene. I mean, just as yeah. Hollywood as an art form should be ashamed of itself. All those fucking remakes. And I, I, I'm not anti-remake. I like a lot of them, but you got to keep doing original stuff. Like, that's why we're here. And they don't care because it's become so homogenized and it's such a, a business where everything's done statistically and with math, where it's like this title originally made this much money, so we'll put this actor in from this TV show that's pulling you know, this share in the ratings every week, and then we'll get this director who did this thing that made this much money. It's Nobody's making decisions based on their heart anymore, and, uh. and I understand it because they're terrified for their jobs. You can't say, I just had a feeling about this, or I really love this script. Because if it doesn't work, you're you're out of a job and you might never get another one because it's so competitive. So I get it. 
But then there's also the fact that um, distribution is changing so much where now it's really all about VOD. If you're Transformers or you know Jurassic World or whatever, yeah, you're going to do great in theaters. But right. unless you're one of those big movies with those marketing budgets, you don't have a, a chance in hell, and you're just going to lose money by doing theaters. So whereas 15 years ago, if your movie went, you know, as they called it, like straight to DVD, if there was something wrong with the movie or it wasn't right. a real movie, now sometimes like I'm starting to find myself trying to argue to not do theatrical and just go to VOD because it's free money. It's like you just, it's a digital signal that they send and then people press a button and they purchase it. You don't even need to make the DVDs or Blu-rays anymore because even those don't sell. So that's been hurting everybody. And then obviously the piracy thing where if you're an independent movie and you get pirated, you're fucked and you might never get to make a movie again. They don't care that however many million people stole your movie and that you have audience, they didn't pay for it. Therefore you're shit as a director and you're not going to work again, but the fans don't care. It's mm-hmm. like, if it's free and they can find a way to steal it, they're going to steal it. Cause why pay for it? And nobody's doing anything about it, which is, which is interesting because we watched the music in- industry go to shit. And then yep. how Hollywood yep. didn't realize that we're next, but they didn't. And if all the major studios would just, Sort of bind together and put their expensive legal teams on this shit, and they'll be very unpopular for a few years, just like Metallica was. But pick like 200 random people that bit torrented something and publicly prosecute them to the right. fullest. Every movie comes with that FBI warning that says, you know, five years in prison or a $250,000 fine. Fucking hold somebody to that. Watch how fast it stops because right now there's no reason not to. Because if what's going to happen to you, nothing. So I've noticed some of the cable companies are starting to crack down on it. Um, there's a, a, a friend of mine, I think it's his neighbor or somebody, was bit torrenting movies, and uh, Comcast, I think it was, or maybe it was yes. AT&T, actually uh, suspended his internet for two weeks because he was off yes. all those sites. And um, then you got. You got people, though, like Lloyd Kaufman, who we had a huge argument on stage at San Diego Comic-Con two summers ago. You know, he's all for Internet neutrality, which I understand where he's coming from. Why should you be monitored and they shouldn't tell you what you can do on the Internet? I agree. But what, what I kept saying to him is that, like, Lloyd, if you started now and made the Toxic Avenger, that would have been it for you. Like, you, there would be no trauma. There would be no Lloyd Kaufman. Right. There would be no... You know all those movies that he's done because the fans would have killed him by stealing it and mm-hmm. so it's easy for him now at his age with his career to say i don't care if people steal my stuff but i'm sitting next to him like dude i'm just getting started and it's fucking killing me and right. you're not thinking clearly here so it's it's a hot button debate and obviously whenever you speak out against it then the fans want to not like you because why should you make them feel bad that they're stealing from you like I mean, look at Metallica. They were hated. Dude, they should feel bad. They fucking should feel bad. And Adam, I got a, I got a question, though, for you, okay? And I think you and Joe were talking about this, about, you know, the accessibility of Holliston and, and how people download it. I think Joe said it, actually. But 
those those are fans. Now, would you be mad at a fan if they downloaded it with a hundred percent intention of of buying it as soon as it comes out because they have no way to watch it? I understand the movies are different. You can get the movie anywhere, buy it anywhere. But for for people that don't have FearNet and can't get access to it or whatever, how do you feel about something like that? Knowing that you're gonna buy it, but you just you gotta watch it. It, it you know it's it's a really it's a really hard question to answer because for all the people that say, oh yeah, if I like it, I right. buy it. They don't, right. and right. they're lying. Right. And, um, right. and <laughs> it shouldn't be uh, if I like it, I'll buy it. Like if you go to a restaurant and eat the dinner, right. you pay for it. If you go to Best Buy and buy a movie, you pay, you can't bring it back because you didn't like it. Like yeah, right. That's life. Um, I actually tried that one time. It, but <laughs> but I think that. Um, you know, for the people who say I'm only downloading it because there's no other way to see it. And that's mm-hmm. really internationally is where the big problem lies. And what I keep trying with each of these movies is saying to the distributor, I know that the fans are anxious to see it and you're anxious to put it out. But first, close all your deals with foreign and talk wow. to them and all of you release at the same time. And you mm-hmm. won't have this fucking problem. But yep. they, they, they're competitive with each other. So, for instance, let's say, and this isn't an actual example, I'm just randomly saying this. Let's say Germany buys the rights to Hatchet 8, right? And But the U.S., for some reason, they're going to hold back and not release till the fall. They're going to try to get that thing on DVD as fast as they can because right. people in America are now going to buy it on Amazon from Germany because they don't want to wait. So everybody's right, right. competing with each other instead of working with each other. So... I mean, to answer your question, it's like, look, I appreciate that people are excited to see it, but they don't want to wait. But it shouldn't be available on those sites in the first place. And right, right. how those sites continue to exist, um, this I, I, I'll, I'll, I might get shit for telling this story, but it's really fucking funny. Um, <laughs> Beast Snyder did a, a, public, a public speaking engagement. But sometimes all of us will get asked to go speak, whether it's a school, a company, or whatever. And he was flown to this place, I think it was in Sweden, and he went and he gave his whole speech about his career and, you know, not saying no and, and rising back up from the ashes and why you got to keep going and you can't listen to anybody else. Like, people mm. are crying, standing ovation, applause. And as he's leaving the building, he's like, what do you guys actually do here? And they were like, oh, we're Pirate Bay. And he's like, what? what? How he had just started doing an inspirational speech to the very people that are fucking him. The fuck? <laughs> <laughs> um, so it's, uh, it, it's hard. And the, the pirates think that, you know, art should be free and they don't care what it costs. And your yeah. fans are like, well, then just, you know, don't spend so much. Well, that's why you get so many shitty independent movies right. where you can clearly see they had eight days to shoot it and it looks like garbage and they couldn't get real actors in it because you can't get a budget anymore. I'm so lucky that when I made Hatchet, that was in the wake of Saw and Cabin Fever and movies that were made for 1.5 million, which now is like unheard of. That's a huge budget. Now. Yeah. And I remember thinking at the time, I'll only have to do one of these and then it'll be, you know, $7 million, $10 million. Yeah. So, um, <laughs> it, it, just the Hatchet movies alone. The first one was 1.5. The second one was 800,000, even though it's twice wow. the size of the first one. And then the third one was only 650,000, which is the biggest of all of them. What? Although we shot in Louisiana, so we had the tax incentive that got it back up to, to 800. So it was a little, you know, yeah. At the end of the day, it was the same budget as the second one, but mm-hmm. that's because of piracy. 
Yeah, but you know what? It's also years later, so things go up, but you still had that 800000 budget. Yep. So it's it's hard. It's really, really hard, and it's so unpopular to talk about publicly, and the fans hate you if you say anything about it. And oh, please. They'll all give their, their entitled reasons why it's okay, and yeah, right. they will make better movies then. It's, uh, oh, and, you know, it's just like you can't. Yeah. And that's the hardest thing about this is it's, you can't fix people. This is this right. is society right. now, and there's this. I don't want to sound old, but like there's this younger generation that is so entitled to anything, and whatever yep. they want, they feel like they should have it, and they should have it instantly, and they should pay for it. And yep. and I think some of that's due to like social networking. I think because now everybody feels so important that you have to tweet what you just ate or that you just took a <laughs> shit. Or, like, so they, I don't I don't know what it is, but yeah. um, but the more you know, the younger people that I meet doing these appearances and conventions, they don't understand that there's anything wrong with it. And it, they, you can't convince them otherwise. They don't care. Or they'll just lie to you and be like, no, no, I totally buy your movie. Right, and they're right. just going to feel anyway. So, um, so that's, <laughs> yeah, that's yeah. been hard. And to be a new filmmaker right now and to try to get a budget, like at least for me, I have a body of work and a following behind me. So right. at least I have that leg up. But if, if I was just starting now trying to make hatches, it would never get made. Never. Yeah, well, you know what the the big argument everybody says? Well, dude, I make freaking eight dollars an hour, and you just got paid a hundred thousand dollars to direct the movie, so fuck off, you know? Yeah, but what they don't realize is you didn't get a hundred thousand dollars to direct <laughs> the movie, and but they think like I mean, I can tell you like friends I grew up with, they're like, so you have a worldwide slasher franchise, you have your own production company, you've made nine movies in the past few years, you have a TV show that you created, that you're the showrunner of, that you're the writer, the director, and the star of. You must have $20 million in the bank. It doesn't work like that. It, it Maybe it did a long, long time ago, but it doesn't mm-hmm. work like that at all. And you also got to remember, like, let's say you did get a hundred grand to direct a movie. That's that hundred grand has to now last you two years. So it's yeah, unlike right. you have multiple things going. So it's, it's not that cut and dry. And let's not forget if you get paid a hundred grand, the agent takes ten grand. Your manager takes ten grand. Your lawyer takes five grand, and then the government takes thirty grand. So you don't really end <laughs> up with that much. Yeah. So it's it's all relative. But all right. I get it. You know, people look at you know Will Smith, and it's like, well, he's getting twenty million dollars. But he also worked for that, and he's been very fortunate. And whatever reasons you want to attribute to that, mm. he can command that much money because people go see the movie because he's in it. So he can right. good for him. I wish the guy who worked at, you know, Cumberland Farms would be like, the customers come here because they like me, therefore pay me more than minimum wage. It doesn't work like that. So, yes, there is a great opportunity in this industry to potentially become rich, but it's like 2% of the people who do it. And everybody else is doing it, hopefully because they love it. Um, maybe there's some that, if you, if you go into this industry because you think you're going to be rich, you're a fucking idiot. And yeah. I mean, I'm one of the fortunate ones. I've, I've, very well for myself and a very great career and I'm very lucky but sometimes when you speak at a film school and people just that's all they care about is like how much money can be made right right. if you only knew how much you're going to suffer and how low the chances are that you're ever going to make anything um, it's yeah it's it's not what it's cracked up to be for sure I think a lot of people have a skewed view of of what actually goes on and that's why you know with with your career like you said I mean dude that's kind of 
you kind of appeal to a, a, a wide variety of people just by the nature of your movies and your TV show in itself. You know, you got Frozen and, dude, so many people love Frozen. Like, they, they don't... Oh, yeah, you know what? It just came out on Blu-ray dude. last week. It was awesome. Like, that part, Adam, where you have the guy singing to the snowman. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's the best part of the movie. Where it's oh. like, uh, do you want to build a snowman? Oh, my God, dude. That was really hard to shoot. Did did you write that or is that Joe Lynch? That was Joe Lynch. Anything okay. good was Joe okay. in that movie, but um, yeah, I just take the credit for it. Yeah, <laughs> I, yeah, like I, I just think it's a it's a wide variety of work, man, and it's great. It, it must feel awesome to have that kind of uh, success. And yeah, it, it's not financial, but I mean, you you seem like uh, you're pretty happy just by the, the the nature of having all your projects come to life. I mean. You know, horror fans, you know, I don't like to be pigeonholed as, like, just the horror guy. Like, me and Alex talk about it all the time. Like, we have a lot of other interests, you know what I mean? And it must, it's just, you you get to incorporate so much into your career where you're not just the slasher guy, you know? You're definitely not just the survival horror guy. I mean, but dude, Frozen is a masterpiece. No, he's also the the sappy guy in the hallway with uh... the... Yeah, with the, the Britney Spears girl. <laughs> and that's what my girlfriend says. She always says, she looks like Britney Spears. He should do a bit where she uh, is insane or something, and she thinks she's Britney Spears for an episode or something like that. <laughs> Britney Spears so relevant with the people know who she is? I don't, I don't, I don't, I don't know. That, but, yeah, you know, it's um, the other thing, too, I mean, for anybody who listens to this who wants to do this, um, yeah. or anybody who's doing this who wants to, have the same type of career path I've had it's a lot of risk because I knew that if Hatchet worked I would be the slasher guy for the rest of my life so I directed Spiral for free and went into debt but that set me free because when especially within the industry when people saw Spiral they were like oh wait no he's not the slasher guy then I did Frozen so it would have been very easy off of Hatchet as a sample to jump on one of these slasher remakes and make a ton of money and just keep going down that path because it paid. But I kept trying to constantly do the things I wanted to do, even if it meant not getting paid. And just to be clear too, like I don't want to like lie to anybody. It's like, I, I do very well, but it's like, and especially, you know, relatively speaking to like the average person or whatever, I do incredibly well. And I'm very fortunate and grateful for that. But it took a long time, right. and there's there's always that fear of what's going to happen if the next movie pushes or doesn't doesn't pull through. But I I completely understand like when I'm talking to friends I grew up with, and they're like, "So you have all this stuff? Oh, you just got a new BMW? Really? Okay, so and you're trying to tell me that you're struggling? And it's like, no, I'm not oh, struggling yeah, but, anymore. Right. But it's it took a long time, many movies and stuff to get here. Whereas I think in like the eighties, if you had one hit movie, you had a house in the Hills. Like it's just, right. it, it's, it's just different now. But, um, but it's also, uh, I'm sure there's plenty of opportunities that I didn't take that would have provided all that stuff quicker or whatever. But, um, I, at least when I go, I think I can look back and be like, you know, regardless of what anybody thinks, I'm proud of all this stuff. I'm glad that I did it. Right. So uh, that's really, and, you know, again, to sort of bring it back around again to Dave, uh, mm-hmm. it's, you know, he didn't do Guar for the money and he didn't die a, you know, he didn't die with Steven Tyler's money. I can tell you that. 
Um, but that's what he wanted to do. And sure, he had the musical talent and the ability to, if he wanted to, he could have just tried to write something that would have been on the radio. Like, he didn't want any of that. And yeah. I think that, that was that was really cool. Yeah. Wow. They cut off heads and have blood spurt all over the place. I mean, <laughs> dude, Gwar's awesome, man. Yeah, and I, I got to say, Adam, too, just the way you were talking, man, and um, everybody's got to check out that uh, that blog piece that you did, man. Um, one, of the, one of the nicest things I've ever read, man. I got really choked up reading that. I actually, um, at that time, I, I couldn't hear the voicemail. I don't know if, the, if it was just my computer or what, so I didn't get to hear it, which was, but anyways, um, I, you quickly realized that you were really close with the man. So, you know, we're really sorry for your loss, dude. Like I said, I know how you feel. It sucks, man. But I feel like, you know, just by, just from an outside perspective, clearly I don't know you personally. I've never met you face-to-face or anything. But you seem like a strong-willed human being. You know, you seem like you, you definitely, uh, if anybody can make it through something like that and, and honor his memory, you know, when Holliston does come back. And I say when because it will. But, um, you know, I, I feel like uh, you'll you'll honor him just like you did in that post. I mean, it's a blog post, man, and that that, that had me, bro. That really did. Even, even when you make fun of people that say bro, sorry, I say bro all the time, but I just, I, <laughs> yeah, yeah, I do it, man. I'm a, I know. I'm a fucking douche. But it's anyways. It's different when you're having a conversation <laughs> with somebody hey, than bro. when you're the type of guy who just, yo, hey, bro, where's the, uh, like, don't call me, bro. Like, yeah, I'm not your bro. Um, <laughs> what are you yeah. fucking revere yeah <laughs> i know right dude i am from falmouth so you know speaking of what you just kind of mentioned dan adam you know uh you talked about the convention thing um i i have tons of them over here in in jersey and you're never at any of them so i guess i'm just curious are you ever going to be at a monster mania or chiller theater yeah, it's it's so weird because like I know those are like some of the best ones. It's just never the the timing's never worked out. Whenever they've asked, I've always been in production or already somewhere else, so it just hasn't happened. Um, I'm trying to not do any this year because I I did I toured for nine months last year mm-hmm. in between doing all the projects, and then I could just like get on a red eye, go to a place, do the thing, and then get back on the plane. So um, I only do them when I have something specific to promote because I don't charge for my autograph. So what? there's no... Oh, you didn't know that? No, oh, fuck. I don't know that. you never been to Chiller or Monster Mania. Dude, the, the, <laughs> the dude with the fucking machete stuck in his head from Dawn of the Dead who was in the movie for three seconds charges $20 to sign his autograph. I, oh, I yeah, I've never charged my autograph. I don't believe in that. I don't do it. And so it's, awesome. uh, it's a problem with some of the other celebrities that are appearing at these things where when they see that they'll complain to the convention that they would they want me moved out of the room somewhere else or because it obviously because what happens is somebody will come up to me and be like oh you know will you sign these 10 dvds or i sign them all and take the picture and they walk away but then they go to the next person and they're like well adam green doesn't charge and you're zombie number three and whatever and you know so i i get it and the thing is i understand why people charge like uh, a that's for some of them it's the only way they even make a living at this yeah. point and they are right. they earned the right to do that and it's it, i i'm not shitting on it at all but i only do those when i'm there to promote something that's about to come out and so i'm there to try to you know 
thank the fans for supporting it and tell people about it, and that's it. So that's the other reason why I don't do that many of them, because to go and sit at a table for three days when you're you're not promoting something actively and you're mm-hmm. not charging for the autograph. I mean, like, I lost a ton of money last year doing those Yeah, right? Because it's like sometimes the convention will at least pay for your air travel or the hotel room or the studio for the project that you're putting out. They'll cover that cost. But there were a lot of them, especially with Holliston, where the network would be like, look, we don't have any money. If you if you want to go promote it, you guys can go promote it, but we can't help you. So we would pay for that stuff ourselves. And then, Damn. you know, and living in L.A., if you want to take a cab to LAX, at minimum, that's $80, if not 100 <laughs> Or if you want to park your car, it's like $200 for just for the weekend. Wow. And food and then everything else. So it's like you do so many of these things and it just keeps adding up and adding up. So, um, And I also don't want to become one of those relics on the convention circuit who's always there. Um, so that's <laughs> another reason why I don't do them. So uh, that's really it. But yeah, I would love to get to... Um, to Monster Mania or you know Chiller, one of those one of those ones, at some point, and hopefully it'll it'll line up. But uh, as yeah. far as I know, I'm trying to not not do any of them this year. I think San Diego Comic Con is the only one that I always do. But I've been going to that just as a fan for ten years now. So that's like a and that one's so such an industry driven thing. Like you, you sort of have to be there. The whole town shuts down for Comic Con. <laughs> right, um, right. So that's a that's a big one. But that one's also I don't know if you guys have ever been, but it's like it's it's crazy. I mean, it takes days to, to actually try to see everything. Really? And some of the panels, people sleep outside for like two or three days on the mm. sidewalk just to get into the panel hall, which holds like eight thousand people. Like that's wow. how that's how big that place is. So I think last year there were four hundred thousand people that showed up there. So it's um, that was in, absolutely incredible. But um, yeah, hopefully someday I do get the one in the New Jersey area. Well, as much as people want to see you too, man, I'm sure they want to see uh, you know movies too. So I mean, tell them to shut up and, and wait because you got four flicks uh, that you're possibly starting here. So here we go. You know, you can't have it both yeah, ways. <laughs> The fans are really good about that too. Like when they're like, yeah. "Oh, can't you come to, you know, Blood and Guts weekend in Kentucky or whatever it might be?" It's like, "Well, no, but because I'm making a new movie." And they're like, "Oh, cool, yeah, great, don't come." Like, so <laughs> it's, uh, yeah, it's not like I'm not coming because I don't want to or I have right. something better to do or whatever. Like, I don't really have a social life at all. Well, dude, but, but clearly, some of the funniest, funniest things is when people are like, "I just love to go party with you and Lynch just once." <laughs> like a party with us is like <laughs> like watching a movie both of us falling asleep within 20 minutes and like drinking Diet Coke like that's like that's a party with us. but there's this perception that we must be so fun to hang out with or whatever we're really not it's not fun at all so we're not missing anything um, I, I beg to differ because that's what we're doing now, I think, and I'm having a fucking blast, dude. So Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I was going to say. You know? But, um, yeah, yeah, definitely, man. <laughs> In the midst of this fun, you know, you're here to promote Holliston, and you did a really great thing for season two with the Blu-ray. Uh, if you buy it directly from your site, you guys autograph it, right? Yeah, if you buy it from com, it comes with uh, my autograph and Joe Lynch's autograph, and if you nice. pre-ordered it, then it's going to come with a third cast member's autograph. That's a surprise. So nice. uh, just as an incentive to get people to, to pre-order it, which uh, is the ter- I mean, the response to that has been 
amazing. So I think, you know, in terms of profit, we probably only actually make a couple bucks or something like mm-hmm. that. But and then people are like, but if you're signing it, you could be charging like $40 a copy or 50 oh, It's not about that. It's yeah. like, and all the money goes towards the, the studio here at Aeroscope. It just keeps the, the rehearsal space open, the lights on. And so it's no, it doesn't go into anybody's pocket. I mm-hmm. think with the t-shirts, the posters, everything we sell, like if any profit that's made, if you look through the site, like everything is super affordable. So we just want the stuff to go to the fan and um, whatever money is made just goes towards keeping the studio open. So it's um, it's a good good deal. Yeah, you wouldn't believe this. One person was actually worried. They said, wait, but if he signs it and I open it, I'm going to tear off the plastic that he signed. Oh, you <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we, we we open them first, and then we, we sign the inside of the cover. But, wow. Uh, I, you know what? I do get it, though, because I remember thinking, like, <laughs> well, wait a minute. Aren't they going to feel like it's a used copy if it doesn't come with the cellophane wrap on it? But, like, well, then how else are you supposed to sign it? Because right? if you sign the outside of the wrapping paper, then what? Um, yeah, so, yeah, we do sign the actual cover of the DVD. <laughs> nice. <laughs> <laughs> yeah nice dude well yeah like dan said man um season two like <clears throat> i i know you think it's just perception but i believe season two you know season one was great i had the greatest time because you know i missed a few i don't have fear and all that i missed a few when it first came out i remember i i bought the blu-ray and i just sat home all weekend watching it It was a great time and i thought it was a like a really great show then all of a sudden season two seems to just blow that away and i really think it's um you're just getting you guys found your niche you got better yep. and i think i think the things you did the show about the the topics you pick like kane hodder wanting to commit suicide because he didn't play jason like that is exactly what all the fans probably think that he was thinking or something like that like it's it's exactly the the approach like you're in our minds and that's why we connect so much with it and yeah. and just the daniel harris thing we'd all want to uh. date her and all that stuff and if she was stealing our money and pills we'd probably still stay with her you know like <laughs> like the, the approaches you took are just great man yeah. and I, I think it's just getting better and and we love it we're big fans of you and and you just did the best show of 2014 so thank you for that too yeah straight up thank you guys and um and yeah thank you for taking the time to talk to me and to talk about the show and i hope anybody who hears this uh buys that blu-ray um, it really, 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 really means the world to us that people support the show and we get to hopefully keep making it, uh, the more people support it. So really appreciate that. And, um, yeah, actually, uh, I'm leaving now to go record the Dave Brocky tribute episode of the movie crib. So that's, oh, uh, nice, that's man. Gonna air, but that's going to be up later tonight on Geek Nation and iTunes. So. People can check that out. We got a lot of people from Holliston who recorded uh, goodbyes and stuff. So Nice, man. We, we might end up cutting that episode kind of short because we purposely waited because we don't want to just be, like, crying and miserable through it. We're trying to celebrate, Dave. So right, right. We'll see yep. how it goes. It could end up being 15 minutes long and <laughs> right. can't take it anymore. But, right. Um, yeah. And, but, uh, and Adam, um, also, we have uh, our good friend Duncan interviewed him uh, last year, and uh, we're going to have that interview on this show, too. That's kind of our tribute to him. And uh, oh, yeah. Awesome. Yeah, man, definitely. Sorry. I'm sorry I interrupted you. Uh, so. Yeah. Awesome. Well, cool. Thank you guys for having me on again. And um, I guess I'll talk to you uh, the next one. Definitely, man. Thank you so much, Adam. All right, man. Take care, guys. 
This is Mr. Skin from MrSkin.com with all the skinfo from the latest movies. Not nude in theaters, Rebecca Hall co-stars in the Johnny Depp movie Transcendence. To see Rebecca transcend her clothes, check her out in Parade's End, where the ravishing redhead steps out of the bath and bears amazing wreckage. Parade's End will have you throwing a dicker tape parade. This is the Mr. Skin Minute. Nude on Blu-ray, Emily Watson breaks out of her clothes in 1996's Breaking the Waves. At the 1 hour 26 minute mark, Emily lies on a bed and serves up some full frontal boobage and unshaved muff. Smellimentary, my dear Watson. Also nude on Blu-ray, Kevin Smith's 1995 comedy Mall Rats is finally out in HD. That means we get a great look at Joey Lauren Adams' topless in the changing room and a crystal clear view of Three's Company's Priscilla Barnes as a three-nip psychic. At this mall, it's buy two, get one free. MrSkin.com Fast-forwarding to the good parts. Yeah, yeah, gore! Yeah, yeah, all right, (laughs) Yeah. Whoa, Guar has horns now? Yeah, they taught the sex slaves to play horns. Yeah. <laughs> it's like Balsack told him, throwing blood and urine in the audience isn't enough. You guys need to learn to play something. Yeah, yeah, really. <laughs> I heard that one time this kid had, like, a seizure at a Guar concert, and that singer dude told everybody not to help him. Yeah, really? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Oh, <laughs> it's happening. <laughs> I'm not going to help you. Otis Arungus would want it that way. <laughs> Thanks, buddy. <laughs> Won't you get out me? <laughs> oh, thanks, buddy. I was stuck. <laughs> um, hey. Whoa, cool. Look at that giant worm thing, buddy. <laughs> it's like that worm eats up really hot chicks. And that, like, takes a dump. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> now that's a damn good show right there. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. They shall drown in their own blood. <laughs> the streets will flow with the blood of the non-believer. <laughs> <laughs> the mother of all wars has begun. <laughs> That would be cool if they had, like, a war marching band. Mm-hmm. And it's like they could form a big wiener. Yeah. And then they could, like, spray slave urine into the crowd. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that would be cool. <laughs> you know what would be cool, too, is if, like, they sprayed slave urine on, like, up with people. Yeah. <laughs> up your butt with people. <laughs> <laughs> Hey Boneheads, this is Duncan from the podcast Under the Stairs. This is a small audio introduction to an interview that I conducted in September 2013 with the late Odorous Arungus of Guar. The interview was conducted for a music review site that I contribute towards called Rock and Real Reviews. You can check out all the interviews and reviews over there at rockandrealreviews.com. Um, and this interview is quite special to me because... Odorous has since passed away and um, it feels quite poignant and uh, I hope you guys enjoy it. Uh, You can check out my podcast over on Facebook. If you type in Podcast Under the Stairs, you can join in over there. We're on iTunes or you can come directly to the website podcastunderthestairs.wordpress.com. Enjoy the interview. (laughs) 
computer machine has been fucking me up the ass here. So good, good. Everything seems to be working now. And um, this is Duncan from Rock and Roll Reviews, and I am overjoyed and honoured to be joined by Odorous Arungus from Guar. How are you doing today, sir? Oh, wonderful. Just another uh, wonderful sunny day here in Antarctica as we get ready to return to your world and uh, sodomize your animals, uh, promote our great new album, Battle Maximus, and uh, do all those things that Guar will do to you oh so well. That's fantastic. Um, I've had a chance to check out Battle Maximus, and I must say, it's it's one heavy motherfucker of an album. Well, that's great. I mean, considering how many fucking heavy metals, how, how many heavy albums there are out nowadays, um, you know, it's difficult for human bands to rise above the mix, as it were. But uh, being Guar, we never had any doubt in our own matchless power, and therefore we went about creating the greatest possible album that we could in the wake of us losing the mighty Flatus Maximus. And I believe we have created a heavy metal opus that he truly would be proud of. Yes, this is the, the first album to feature Pustilus Maximus on guitar. Uh, how was that like um, introducing a new guitarist into Guar? Well, um, they pretty much worked it out for themselves. Every one of the Maximus family is a great guitar player, and they all fought for months outside of the castle in the great battle, Maximus, for the right to fill the void that had left, been left by the mighty Flatus. And, uh, you know, Pustulus at first, you know, he was uh, happy to come in and, and do tracks on the record, but he, he wasn't so happy after he was done when he realized that I had... Uh, vandalized his spaceship and uh, ruined his chances of ever getting off his planet. So uh, he's pretty much stuck with us now. He's not very happy about it, but I find that le uh, lends a certain energy to his performance. So um, we're happy to have Pustulus, and, uh, and he's done a great job on the new record, and uh, we're looking forward to this new tour. Musically, like I say, it's a lot thrashier. Um, I, I mean, was that something that was... Um, can it preconceive before you went into the studio or was this uh, something organically that came out obviously that the album is paying respects to um, your fallen comrade uh, Flatus Maximus but you know was it uh, more an organic thing that when the, the band were rehearsing things just went naturally heavier or or was it like um, part of a, a strategy that you had before entering the studio it wasn't a strategy at all. It was just the way uh, the way that Pustulus and us reacted together. We got in there, we started writing songs, and they just started turning out that way. I believe one of the first songs for the album was Madness at the Core of Time. And uh, it just really struck such a chord with us. I mean, it really, really hit us hard. We're like, whoa, this is like best song we've fucking written in years. And everything just kind of flew into place after that. So... Uh, I'd have to say that it was a very natural progression, the way that the uh, the new album came about. We didn't have any preconceived notion of how we wanted it to sound. We knew it, it could sound any anyway, you know. It was just like with with Flatus, we've been practicing, we've been trying all kinds of different styles of music, uh, all kinds of different styles of metal, and we were gradually getting, I think, even a little more technical as we went on. For God's sakes, the last record we we tuned down and we were playing eight string guitars. Uh, well, I wasn't, of course. Uh, I can't play guitar. 
I'm sure if I wanted to, I could, but I can't. But anyway, um, so yeah, we didn't really have a, 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 we just decided to let Pustulus come on in there and, uh, and rally around his abilities. And as a result, yes, a lot of people seem to think that we have a, a thrashier, uh, more ferocious, though uh, nonetheless uh, just as metal as ever, uh, Guar record. Uh, kind of a throwback to what we've done in the past, but also with the uh, technical skills and the studio skills that we've learned uh, over the many years of being a heavy metal band. So uh, hopefully it's the best of both worlds. It certainly is. It's, a, a, like I say, fantastic record. Uh, are you out on tour just now, or do you have something planned very soon? We are starting We're starting the U.S. segment of the tour here in just about a week, and then we will be going uh, on the big Soundwave Festival down in Australia, and then, hopefully, we will be returning to the U.K. and Europe in general, though we haven't seen that for sure yet. That's fantastic. Um, I was privileged to uh, see you guys um, play with Clutch in 2011, and that was my first experience live of Guar, and I can say that I have never seen anything before, or I am unlikely to see anything like that in the future unless I catch you guys again on tour. Yeah, definitely. It is a one-of-a-kind show. It is the most savagely supreme uh, act of uh, sonic supremacy and slaughter that's upon this planet, uh, the penultimate statement of shock rock and um and it's been our pleasure and our honor and our uh, destiny to bring this to you now for almost 30 years so uh, it seems like we turn up in europe about once every two or three years and uh it would seem like the time is coming around soon uh battle maximus is out in europe on metal blade records so we're back together with metal blade over there and uh and we're hoping for big things because you know guar unlike most most bands we can just try and try and try over and over again until we get it right. Well, I think you guys have certainly struck gold on this album. Um, but this one seems to be far more focused um, in delivering, like you said, that sonic aggression, uh, which I'm sure fans of Guar have been uh, waiting for uh, for this new album. Uh, now, I read somewhere, I don't know if you can confirm this or not, I read somewhere and they uh, I've also noticed that one of the tracks is called Mr. Perfect. That wouldn't be anything to do with the wrestler, Mr. Perfect. No, Mr. Perfect, the wrestler, stole his name from Mr. Perfect, the superpowered being from the future. Uh, or back, I don't know. I mean, there's a certain amount of plagiarism going on here, obviously. Uh, there's no way some cheesy wrestler from the 80s can deal with what is basically the ultimate expression of human perfection, or at least in his mind, that's what he is. Uh, Mr. Perfect uh, will be getting his ass kicked nightly on the upcoming Guar Tour, so uh, we'll get a chance to hear from him himself why he chose such a fucking stupid name. And you were obviously saying you're going to be incorporating some new elements into your, your live show. Is there anything else you can tell us about what, what uh, fans of Guar could see on upcoming tours with the band and the live, live setting? Well, you know, of course... Wherever there is Guar, there will be violence, there will be death, there will be heads getting lopped off, and we'll try, and whenever possible, to appeal to the local population with personalities that they can relate to. I mean, it doesn't make a lot of sense for us to go to Europe and execute the 
president of Bolivia, if you understand where I'm coming from. So uh, we're trying to find some people that uh, mean a little something to the local cultures, uh, get them up on stage, and kick the living shit out of them. Now, as far as what gigantic fucking asshole monster is going to try to be ripping my head off, that pretty much depends on what we attract during the show. All I can guarantee you is it will be the most awesome motherfucking show in rock and roll history. I'd like to say that I am a massive fan of Holliston. Um, I, I have to have to import it over here, but um, I think it's I think it's a fantastic show. I also think that you're fantastic in that show. I've still to catch uh, season two, um, but uh, has that finished filming? Is that is that wrapped up now? Yeah, we're done with season two. Um, in fact, it's already shown over here. And we're waiting to hear about season three, whether there will be another one. I think season two, uh, as much as you love the first one, I think you'll be even happier with the second season of Holliston. Um, there is a little bit more odorous time, which can never be a bad thing. Never and uh, I think you'll enjoy it very much. Um, and uh, everybody out there, keep bothering Fear.net uh, and demand a season three of Holliston, the only TV show uh, where odorous gets to... Uh, be the imaginary friend of the lead uh, lead character, which is uh, Odorous on a sitcom. Uh, very uh, very odd. I've always said that uh, Guar should have their own fucking sitcom. We're pretty fucking funny. But, um, you know, in the meantime, we have Holliston, and uh, so let's get out there and support it. Yeah, fantastic. If any of our listeners are listening and haven't checked it out yet, um, it's a fantastic series um, from film director Adam Green. And uh, it's very, very funny, and it appeals to not only horror fans, but fans, anyone with a sense of humour will love this show. Um, and like and like Odorous said, um, anything that stars Odorous is worth checking out. Yeah. <laughs> well, thank you very much for your time. Uh, it's been fantastic chatting to you. And uh, is there anything that you would like to tell the UK Guar fans uh, before we wrap this interview up? Yes, UK Guar fans, Guar is returning at some point. Our new album, Battle Maximus, is out. Go pick it up if you haven't done it already. We certainly haven't forgotten about you guys, so we know you haven't forgotten about us. Your loyal mutant overlords will return to you. Just keep the Guar spirit alive. Hail Guar! Hail Flatus! Hail Battle Maximus! Thank you very much, Odorus Arungus from Guar. Like Odorus said, you can check out their new album, Battle Maximus. It's out on Metal Blade Records. It was released on the 17th of September. And keep your eyes on rockandreelreviews.com for the review coming soon. guys well that was adam green that was odorous urungus's interview with uh, once again we want to thank duncan duncan from podcast under the stairs thanks brother how's that your sean connery (laughs) (laughs) i knew she would draw attention to that (laughs) (laughs) i shall take my gold finger and stick it up your oh sorry not what your mother said last night trebek (laughs) Thanks, Adam. 
another great interview. Uh, you know, I don't. It's up to the listeners, I guess. If you guys thought that that lived up to the last one, it really don't matter to me if it lived up to it or not. It was different either way. Uh, that was magic in a bottle. But as long as it's a solid interview and we had a good time and you guys had a good time listening, that's all that matters. Oh matter. man, I was so into that man. I dude, I was loving every second of that. And let's just put it this way: we only prepped for approximately ten minutes worth of time. Uh, you know, and, and we just let it flow because I mean, I, I wanted to know all that stuff and, and, and Adam can talk. So yeah, man, this, this definitely ranks up there for me. It's kind of soon to tell. I think I need to reflect on it some more, but cause you know, cause right now trying to judge it, it's, it's like when the dark Knight rises came out, I was yeah. like, that was awesome. And <laughs> then I'm like, wait a minute. So yeah, I think it was great, but yeah, it asked me in about a month because I'm still fucking high from that interview. I loved it. Exactly. Yep. And uh, everybody remember to pick up Holliston Season 2 on Blu-ray. Yeah. It should be at your Best Buys. It's not in Walmart, and uh, it's easily on Amazon.com. Dan and I will both – I don't – Jamie, you didn't see it, right? Nope. Yeah. So, Dan <laughs> – Thanks, Jacob. I'm, I'm getting real tired of that answer. I'm telling you that right now. Well, stop asking me questions. Well, I'm trying to get you involved in the goddamn show. Here's the weather. with the, It go rain. <laughs> you want this dog? Who wants this dog? <laughs> Christ. Chucky. So, yes, it's Holliston. Huh? We all, the two of us, really like Holliston season two. It has about, uh, I think, was there 10 episodes maybe? I think so, yeah. And eight of them are awesome, two or whatever. But in the last season, season one, uh, I think like there were five and like two were not that good and the other three were awesome. Uh, my favorite was Tony Todd. It's called Candyman. Oh, that is the fucking so greatest episode, I he think. He just up. <laughs> he just won't leave. He just won't leave, man. Candyman. Oh, they have such a great show, man. We 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 talk about Halston all the time, but dude, if you haven't seen Halston, go fucking buy this this these both seasons. But dude, once you get to two, man. Oh man, the whole. Oh, sorry. We'll give you a personal guarantee. If you buy Halston season two, we guarantee you will love it. So, but you have to watch every one of them to get in the mode. Don't just watch the first one and judge it. Yeah. I don't even know what the first one is, actually. So, it might not be a good one. But the other eight are great. So, uh, love the season. So, yeah. Yep. So, that's it. Yep. So, f- this is Alex. This is Jamie. Hey, yo. Oh. That's the wrong guy. <laughs> wrong show. <laughs> wrong show, wrong guy. This is not Skeleton Bones. I mean, this is Banana Butt. Wait, nah, frick it. Nah. Hey, you guys did a great job on those uh, retrospective, too. I, I And I want to say that to those guys on air, too. Such a fucking fun time going through those Saw movies, man. I haven't watched them in a long time. I watched them all in preparation for the retro. And uh, they killed it, man. You guys did a great job. And, and, dude, they're doing it right, man. Those fucking banana bastards. Yep. And the production on the last one was really good, man. Um, just amazing. Amazing production. Amazing entire thing. I never watched any of the Saw movies. I'm one of those guys who resisted. I watched the first one. I thought it was great. Second one, I hated it because I hated the characters. And I never watched them. anything beyond that. And just for those guys, I watched all seven in one month or three months, whatever. And um, it was a great experience. Totally great time. So... Thank you for that about Saw 2. Those characters were a bunch of assholes. Horrible. And 
I'm just I didn't I don't give a shit what happens to any of them, particularly the one guy who's like throwing people in pits and oh, I mean I hate that fucking how, how did they not kill that guy? I would have yeah. killed him. I just I, I don't know. Like ugh God, I just He has to be the most abrasive, obnoxious fucking cunt in any horror movie ever. I I will totally agree with that. I was so I had so much hatred for his character that I said, if I run into the actor in the alley, I'm going to kick him in the face. <laughs> well, you yeah. might run into him in an alley because he ain't working. He's probably living days. there. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Facking. <laughs> so that's a great note to leave it on. Me and Jamie agree 100%. Fuck that asshole. Fuck you, buddy. <laughs> <laughs>